Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Hello, everybody. We're live. Uh, welcome to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi, and with me, as always, is uh, the wonderful Armin Navabi, the founder of Atheist Republic, the largest online platform for atheists in the world with over, I think it's 1.8 million almost followers, right? Now? Right. Right. So, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Armin. Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, welcome everybody. So the, today, um, what we have is uh, many of you saw the title. Uh, the title is about how you know one woman fought Pakistan's blasphemy laws, and our guest today is uh, Rafia. Rafia is a a Pakistani American woman who um, I recently met at uh, when we both spoke at the Harvard Humanist Hub um, in Cambridge. And uh, she had also spoken a year before at the Muslimish conference there. So this was a Muslimish conference. And um, uh, she told a really heartbreaking, but an extremely inspiring story. Um, and it was so compelling that I invited her to, to come here and join us on the podcast to tell this story, because I think it'll really benefit many of you out there who might find yourself in similar situations. Uh, so, uh, uh, Rafia was married off at, and, and Rafia, correct me if I'm wrong with any of this. Uh, she was married off at 17. Um, uh, she was in an abusive marriage and, uh, at, at, at about two or three years into it, she had her three year old daughter. She was taken away from her by her, uh, ex husband. And she was separated from, from her daughter for many years. And he used a number of ways. He was in Pakistan. Uh, and he used a number of ways to keep her away uh, from her daughter. And uh, one of those uh, later on uh, was also he used Pakistan's blasphemy laws against her. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about Pakistan's blasphemy laws and how they work. Um, I think many of you know about it, uh, and we'll get into those details. But first, uh, before you get sick of me talking, if you're not already sick of me talking, I'm going to just introduce Rafia. Rafia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're, we're really happy to have you on and, and, um, we're excited to, you know, have you sort of share your experience with everybody and, and, um, uh, to tell your story because I know that, uh, I, I know it's something that will inspire a lot of people. And, uh, probably even though it will be, you know, like I said, it's heartbreaking, but they, it does give people hope as well to some mm -hmm. extent. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, you know, where you're from, uh, how all of this happened, how you ended up getting married so young? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, from my dad's side, uh, I'm, I'm Turkish, you know, they, they migrated to Iran, um, even though like their background from dad's side is Turkish, we spoke Persian at home. Um, from my mom's side, uh, we are Patan um, from Pakistan. And uh, I, I was born in, in the US in New York. And uh, my dad was a businessman. 
my mom was a heart surgeon and uh, you know after i was born like shortly after we moved to london and then from there on uh, moved to pakistan uh, where i grew up my mom died when i was three years old and uh, i got raised by my stepmom um but i didn't know that my stepmom was my not my real mom i i grew up thinking the opposite thought that she was my real mom that i found out later on you know what happened to my mom and and that my stepmom wasn't my real mom um and then like when i initially found out about my mom's death i got pretty rebellious uh, as a teenager i was going to college i wanted to become a doctor and i got pretty good grades in in my metric exams i was like you know i'm gonna go for medicine and uh, my step was like, like 10th grade just for people who are not familiar it's 10th grade yeah. high school equivalent yeah. in Pakistan. yeah so I got, I got pretty good grades in metric and i was like you know eligible to go in, in some of the best colleges in, in karachi which is where, where i grew up in and uh, my stepmom and my brother they were all like no you know you're not going to go to this college you know there's like it's going to be boys there you know you have to go to an old girls college so they ended up putting me in this college that was like a block away from my house and the college was like pretty bad like it was a bunch of girls that just flunked their exams and that they would just take all the failures there so that like you know got me really you know pissed off about the whole situation i was like you know this is really messed up you know i wanted to go become a doctor and now in this college there's no way i can get into a good medical college after this right um and later on so my husband was uh, related to me uh, and uh, you know i was uh, talking to one of my friends and one of my friends was like you know why don't you talk to this friend of mine you know maybe he will be able to help you out what's going on so I called him and, and turns out, you know, we were related and uh, I was like, you know, this is what's happening and, you know, you don't know anything about my mom. At that point, I wasn't sure uh, whether my mom was alive or not. I thought that maybe my dad and my mom got divorced and my mom just, you know, left or whatnot. And he told me, you know, your mom is actually dead. Uh, she died a long time ago. And I was like, you know, just shocked. I was like, I, I want to go to her grave. Where is she buried? So he was like, um, I can take you to her grave, but, you know, I don't want to get into trouble with your dad. Right. But I kept pestering him. I was like, no, you got to take me, you got to take me, you got to take me. I was like, you know, I'll, I'll bunk college one day. Maybe you can take me to her grave. So that's what we did. Uh, he came to pick me up from, from college and uh, took me to my mom's grave. And it was just like this surreal experience. I was like, I can't believe, you know, I'm sitting at my mom's grave. I think... 17 years old then and I was like my whole life I thought that my mom was alive and I just did not understand why my parents had kept that from me my dad had kept that whole thing uh, from me and uh, so then when uh, when he dropped me back to college so you know I could go home I saw my stepmom uh, on the street you know she just like started running charging towards me and I freaked out. I was like, holy crap. You know, if I go back, you know, they will beat the hell out of me. You know, they saw me coming out of this guy's car. So I just did not think anything. I just started running. Like I was like in the middle of, uh, I, I'm sure that you're aware of the, the streets of Pakistan, Tariq Road. And oh, I was yeah. just like, yeah, yeah I yeah. was literally running in the middle of Tariq Road. And in Karachi. And, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. 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 So it's just like running uh, in my college uniform. I had no idea where the hell I was going. 
And I finally got to a store called, you know, use a pay phone called uh, the friend of mine, the relative. I was like, listen, my stepmom just saw me coming out of your car. I don't know what's going to happen. Can you help me out? So he's like, oh shit. He's like, okay, uh, let me, let me call my mom. Let me see what I can do. So he called his mom and then he's like, okay, I'll come pick you up. So he picked me up. We went back to his house and his mom started freaking out. They're like, you know, they did the same thing to your mom. They're going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is so crazy. Why would you take her, you know, to her mom's grave? This is crazy. She's, you know, she's going to die just like her mom died. So now I'm like oh, sitting wow. there like completely confused. Like what is going on? Um, then, you know, his uncle came and they all sat down, all the grown-ups and... I was like this terrified teenager. I had no idea what the hell was going on. And they're like, well, there's only one way we can get out of this. They're like, well, you guys get married. If, if you guys do the nikah, then the dad has no right over her. Otherwise, you know, he can come and do anything. So up on that point, you're basically your father's property. But once yes. you get married, yeah. now you become your husband's property. And he has exactly. full Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So then they called the mullah and then the mullah, you know, the second the mullah saw my dad's name under my, you know, daughter of so-and-so, the mullah started freaking out. He's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, you know, you don't know who her dad is. This is crazy. You guys are going to get me killed, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, no, the you're freaking about from your dad. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a little. That's a little different. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I, I was like, oh, this is not a good sign. I'm like, holy crap. So, uh, so then they just like handed the mullah like a wad of money, and they're like, just do it, do it now. And the mullah's like, all right, fine, you know. So just he took the buddy and he like you know finalized the nikah. He wrote down the whole thing there. And, and then the nikah is the, the religious contract. It's the Islamic yeah. contract of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, my dad at that time was in London uh, when this whole thing went down. The second day he came back to Karachi, Pakistan, when he heard about this whole thing. Mm. And oh my God, I've been studying. So, <laughs> like, literally half of Tariq Road was outside uh, my husband's house at that point. There was cops, there was rangers. There was like some army personnel. My dad like showed up with all these people and he's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill all of you. And then he just like walks up the stairs. And at that point, my, uh, my then mother-in-law, she told my husband, he's like, you need to leave right now. So he just like went upstairs, like uh, jumped off the roof from like multiple roofs, like went down another building and just got up. And now I'm like sitting there, like ready to face the wrath of my dad. So my dad comes up with my brother and they just like started beating the hell out of me. They're like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? I'm like, I don't know. So they just like, there was, so their building was three stories and I was refusing to go back. So I was just like completely dead weight. And they just grabbed me by my feet and they started grabbing me and like dragging me down the stairs. So my head was just like hitting every step. And what by the, the time fuck? Yeah, so they're like just like punching me and hitting me, trying to get me back back to home. Oh, and I was like, no, I don't want to go. So uh, by the time I got to the last step, and I was like, oh, holy crap, I'm about to go back home. This is not going to be good. Um, my uh, my husband's uncle shows up. He's like, they're married. You can't take her. You know, she's she's married now. And my dad just like, you know, just stopped in his tracks. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, she's married. You can't take her. You know, she's, she's, uh, she's so-and-so's wife now. 
So my dad was like, basically, fuck all of you. And he just like left. Yeah, I went back upstairs. I See how powerful these these uh, these um, social constructs are that he basically plays by the game, even though he's so brutal. Like, oh, you're married, so oh, I have no right over you. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so he was just like, yeah, he wiped his hands. It's like, he was like, it's like a cheat code in the system. All right. Yeah. So then I went back upstairs. God, I was. I don't think I've ever been that bruised and battered. Just like down my ribcage, like, just like huge bruises everywhere. Oh fuck. Like basically, two grown men beat the hell out of me, and Did you uh, report them to the police for beating you. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I call the police, and the police is like, "This is a family matter. We cannot invo- get involved." Oh, you know yeah, how the police in Pakistan are. Your husband beats the crap out of you. They're like, "Oh, this is a family matter. You solve it amongst yourself." Like, what the hell? Yeah, this is. I, I was just going to say that over there. If you call the police, I mean, if, if women call the police and they say that you know my husband's beating me, they just say, "Well, you're having a fight." Even even the so in the Pakistan, girl's family, as a husband, I can beat my wife as much as I want, and nobody's going to come stop me. Um, yeah, but, and, and they use the Quranic words too to beat. Be your wife, right? mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all good. Mm-hmm. The Quranic verse is uh, Surah 4, verse 34. It says that if you fear disobedience from your wife, you can beat her. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, yeah this is a it's it's unfortunate, but um, yeah, you can't. I mean, if you have a Quran, it's not even hadith, this is Quranic verses, and you can't do much about that, right? Right, right. And even with your parents, you know, in the Quran, it says, uh, I'm not sure if it's exactly the Quran, but uh, it says, you know, if your parents say something, you're not supposed to even say ouch to them. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just like. Mm-hmm. So basically, that happened, and then you know, after everything cooled down, they all left. My assessment came back, and he's like, "All right, let's. We need to get out of Karachi because this is dangerous." So we left. Uh, we were away for almost a month, and then when things finally cooled back, uh, we came back. Right. Within that month that we were away, the first week after we got married, uh, he started beating the hell out of me. So I was I was on a phone call what? with one of my friends. Yeah. And, you know, when that happened, my dad basically cut me off uh, from everything. I mean, my dad was like an influential guy, had lots of money. And the second that happened, he just cut me off. And now that I look back, I think that, you know, maybe they were thinking like I was like a, a ticket to a free meal or something, like or to, to just get a bunch of uh, inheritance money or something. So your husband uh, saw this, your husband and their family saw this as an opportunity, and then once this they this is what it, I think. This is what right. I think. Like, you know, I, I I can't say for exactly what went on in their heads, right. but this is this is um, as far as as I can think. Like now, looking back at, at the whole situation, you know, knowing what I know now, right? Uh, because why? Because it is if they're if he's beating you now, it's not like he cared. Yeah, like, like within, within a week. Of, yeah, yeah. Within a week, yeah. As soon as he found out that my dad cut me off from everything, he was like, uh, you know, like, there goes my, uh, my, my golden hen or whatnot. Mm. Mm. So we came back and, you know, like his, his, his mom was just like completely nuts, abusive, you know, like uh, saying, oh, you didn't bring anything in dowry and, uh, you know, you need to, you can't touch this, you can't touch that, you have to do this and you have to do that. And meanwhile, I, my dad's house, I, I grew up with, you know, we had servants and we had everybody taking care of me. Like, I'd never, I didn't even know how to make tea uh, when I got married. And, and, and you're, you're 17 now, right? So like yeah. At this, at this point? Okay. Yeah. Not now, back then. Back no, I then. Mean, yeah. No, I'm way older than 17 now. <laughs> I've immersed myself into the situation. Right. right. Yeah. I'm in character. Okay. Uh, so... 
yeah, that, that whole thing, yeah, it's just like, it was just abusive. Like, you know, I was like, you know, I'm in this chilly situation. I'm like, I can't go back to my dad's house now. And, and you know, there's nowhere else I can go. And there's no divorce, uh, is there? There's, there's no, I mean, I could have filed for Hula, which is, you know, when you file for divorce and you just basically give up all rights to any anything. Right. And at that point, I was so scared. It was a 17-year-old girl that just found out that her mom was... Uh, mom died in, in mysterious uh, circumstances and I uh, don't know my mom's side of the family. The only family I know is my dad's and they're nuts. And then my husband's now and they're completely nuts too. And uh, yeah, so then six years I was married to my uh, ex-husband and I had my daughter and that was another ordeal. So when I got pregnant, uh, you know, when I went, you know, my husband kept telling me, you need to go find out the sex of the baby. You need to go find out if it's a boy or a girl. So every time I would go um, and, and get an ultrasound, the doctor would refuse to tell me. She's like, oh, I can't see. I can't see, you know, if it's a boy or a girl, which now in hindsight, I'm thinking like, that's probably what they do with most women. They don't tell them whether it's a boy or a girl, if it's, if it's a girl for sure, because they don't want the pregnant woman to like, you know, be, be upset be upset and be suffering at the, the hands of the husband's family. Oh, you're pregnant with a girl, whatnot. So then uh, when I was uh, in labor, in, in, I had like these major complications and the baby was stuck and the doctor was like, you know, we need to have an emergency C-section. So the anesthesiologist, he was a male doctor. And my ex-husband just threw a shit fit in the middle of the hospital. He's like, no man is going to touch my wife. You know, no man is going to see my wife. This is ridiculous. You know, I'm not going to have a C-section. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there in, in, in the wheelchair, like basically going in and out of consciousness. And, and the doctor is like, you know, if we don't take her in now, she's going to die and the baby's going to die too. You know, so, so that happened. It was like, I don't know, like a good 10 hours of stuff. Yeah, this, uh, just to remind everybody of that incident in a, in a school that was on fire in Saudi Arabia, in Riyadh, and they didn't, um, I think they didn't allow the girls out, if I'm remembering correctly, even though it was burning because they didn't want I think I've heard of that story too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they were, because they didn't have proper hijab. But hey, wait, so, so he didn't, uh, he had no problem with men touching you when you were going and getting tests done, but now all of a sudden he's selling. No, the- no, the tests usually are done by female doctors over there. The, the ultrasounds and stuff, the, the ultrasound texts are usually female. Yeah, but or at I least the one that labor, I went you to. don't know. You don't yeah. know if it's going to be a man or a woman because the labor just happens that way, right? When you go to yeah. labor, you go to labor. But okay, but available. isn't this is on is, Islamic? Isn't don't you in Islam don't they allow doctor male doctors to touch women? Isn't that like an exception for the rule? I oh, guess it is, but but you know, like if somebody's was, just nuts, you know, I don't think that even religion applies. To them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's uh, well. I mean, it's also a um, it the the mahram and non mahram rules still apply for some people for very ultra conservative Muslims uh, mm-hmm. in uh, medical situations as well. So I, I know that they do that in in Saudi. Arabia. It really depends. I mean, when you say Islam, it's so broad. Depends on which hadith you think are authentic. The way, the way we were told in um, school is that if it's medical issues, you can preferably female for female and male for male, but it's preferable, but not, you know, ma- like it's not mandatory. Or there's also that medical. clause that to, to use the mirror uh, instead of directly looking at the person, right? Yeah. yeah. I did not hear that's, about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's also another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but go ahead. So, you're there. So, yes. you're so, there, so then like, I, I basically at that point, like I almost passed out and I don't know what happened after that. 
come to figure out, you know, the eventually he agreed to having the male anesthesiologist because the doctor was like, all he's going to do is just going to inject her. He's not going to see anything. And he was like, all right, fine. I want to be in the, in the operating theater. And the doctor said, no, you're not going to be, you know, we're not going to let you be in the operating theater because obviously by that time he caused such a ruckus. They didn't want us nut job in there. They're like, uh, no. So what we're going to do, I'm going to show you exactly where he's going to put the needle in. And that's all he's going to see. And then after that, the doctor's going to leave. And then I will take care of that. And he's like, okay, fine. So, you know, I went into labor, went into the C-section and everything. Turns out I have a daughter. And he loses his shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's like, you gave birth to a daughter, you know, like, screw you. And then, like. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to beat the hell out of you when I come home. You know, why did you give birth to a daughter? And I'm like, not again. Oh, so, God, this is, yeah. yeah. It's so frustrating. Can I, can, I, I, can I jump in? I, this is yeah. uh, one, one little thing I want to tell you. My first, the first surgery I ever assisted in, in medical school, and this is also in Karachi, this is at the Aga Khan University, mm. um, was a woman who had advanced cervi- cervical cancer right? Cancer of the cervix. Uh, she was there with her three daughters and uh, it turned out that um, she had been diagnosed with cervical cancer and they'd recommended removing the cervix and the uterus. But uh, her mother-in-law and her husband um, said no. She had cancer, right? She had to get the cancer removed. They said no because um, we have three daughters and we don't have a son yet. So that's why her cervical cancer was advanced. And her wow. uterus was just, it's called pyometros, full of pus and fluid. And uh, we, had to, we had to get rid of it at that point. I, I don't know what happened to her afterwards, but that's kind of how serious, th- this is real. I, I mean, there are many people I think who are listening to this who are from uh, sort of Pakistani middle-class families that have kind of gone past these attitudes. However, when you work in a hospital, like when I was working in a hospital in the Al Khan universities, the hospital is a pretty, it's a private sort of more expensive higher end hospital. Um, but even there we see cases like this uh, yeah. all the time. Right. So yeah, this and, is and not I've, uncommon. Yeah, I've actually talked to some, some friends of mine that, you know, went to school in Pakistan. They say that even when they, you know, do ultrasounds to try to figure out the sex of the baby, if they can see it, it's a girl, they won't tell the parents. They'll just say, like, I can't see it or it's not clear enough because they don't want this pregnant woman, you know, to, to get a beating when she goes home because she's pregnant with, with a, with a you know, a female child. Yeah. So yeah. It, it just, it just sucks. Yeah. So, so you had, you go home uh, with your, with your daughter and yeah, and, and then my, my assessment just, you know, locks me out of the room. So I'm not allowed to go in our, in our bedroom. So now I have to sleep downstairs with my mother-in-law because I gave birth to a daughter. So for a whole month after I gave birth to my daughter, I, I sleep with my mother-in-law who was a, a, another goddamn Nazi basically. Uh, so it was just like, everything had to be her way. You know, if, if anything did, wasn't her way, it was just completely unacceptable. Or if I ever said no to something that she wanted, she would just go to my husband and she's like, you know, your wife answered back to me. And then he would just start beating me. And, uh, you know, if I didn't iron his shirt the proper way, he's like, this doesn't have the right crease on the, on the sleeves. Just start beating me. Shoes not polished the right way. Start beating me. So stuff like that. So. For six years now, I was thinking in my head, you know, I got married, you know, against my father's will, and I need to get this, you know, make this work, because uh, where else am I going to go at this point? 
Yeah, I tried everything. I, I, I tried getting really religious. I started praying. I'm like, you know, maybe if I, you know, pray enough, uh, you know, his meanness will go away. Uh, and, and it didn't work. Uh, you know, just like, yeah. And I, I don't know, like, I, I tried everything. I tried to be super nice, caught him cheating on me a couple of times. Uh, and he was like, he came home one day and with like gold lipstick on, on his collar. And I'm like, what the fuck, you know, like, what is this? He's like, oh, that's my mom's lipstick. I'm like, your mom does not wear lipstick for one and not gold lipstick. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so and then when I like caught him and I cornered him and then he started beating me again. He's like, how dare you question me? It's just like. So you can't even, you can't see, you can't even see a male doctor. Yeah. And then, but when he goes and sleeps with another woman, you will get the beating for it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like, you know, I, I grew up as a, as a Shia Muslim and he was a Shia too. And he's like, you know, I have the right to do muta and, and I can have as many wives as I want. Yeah, that's Isn't actually it? one of our patron questions from Jindi was, were you from a Shia or Sunni background? So mm-hmm. you're from. Isn't from that Shia both Shia and Sunni that you can have four wives? Yeah, four yeah. wives, but when you're Shia, you can do muta and have oh, multiple. Sikhe. Temporary. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, you call it, you guys call it something else. Yeah, yeah. So, you could have yeah. m- many, you could have many temporary marriages. Yeah, so yeah. that's basically what he claimed that he had many temporary wives. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is something that Sunnis hate about Shias because basically they're saying that you guys just basically legalize prostitution. Exactly. Yeah. And you know how much, how much shit I went through as a kid when I was in school. I got bullied a lot. A lot of my classmates were Sunni and they used to always say Shia Kafir, Shia Kafir, you know, you're Kafir, you do this, you do that. And, oh, and I wow. just like, like it was, it was rough. So you got it from I, both. I so it basically, you got it from Shias for not being from religious Shias, and also from, from not being Shia enough, and from Sunnis for being too Shia. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, and uh, uh, the, the Shias, and I used to get the same thing in school in Pakistan. Like they'll say, "Well, you know, you Shias are kafir." I'm like, "No, we're not. You guys have the wrong kalama," and, and they're like, "Why? What? What's your kalama?" And I'm like, "Our kalama is La Ilaha Illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah." Ali and Waliullah wa Khomeini wa Ayatollah, and they would lose their shit, right? <laughs> because it was bullshit. That wasn't. That. Yeah, Khomeini. Yeah. Wow. You know, okay. I, I don't think that I never, I never said the Khomeini part. <laughs> no, I, I made it up, and I used to make up all this stuff. I'm like, don't you believe Ali was God? Ali was God, and then they'd freak out. Yeah, but, you, but but that's not the right term. If they went, if the Sunnis want to shit on Shias, they have to call you Mushrikun, not Kafirun. Because oh no, they, they took it the next level. They were like, "Oh, you're Kafir." Mushrik is yeah, worse. High school kids, they don't know the difference. They just know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. because you have partners to God, which is their moms. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyways, ha- did you find out about what happened to your mom? I did. I did. I I, uh, I can't go into the details of it, but I know that the circumstances of her death were uh, very, very shady and mysterious at best. Uh, she was a so she was a heart surgeon, and the story that I've oh. heard from my dad's side of the family was she died from heart failure. The story that I heard from my mom's side of the family, however, is completely different. They say you know she was a heart surgeon. If at age 33, it is a very rare to die from heart failure for somebody that is not overweight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, for a woman, no. It's not yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, and then the fact that, you know, she was buried at midnight, that's, that's another red flag. Uh, just like Fatima. Yeah. And I, I just the fact that I wasn't told about her until I found out on my own. Oh. 
which is a whole other story. Like I found out at age nine when I was just like being nosy and going through my dad's drawer and I found my birth certificate and I found out that my, my the name of my mom on there is different. I'm like, who made this birth certificate in my head? I'm thinking, wow, somebody made a real mistake. Like somebody put the wrong name here. And then later on, a few months down the road, I was in London and, and I was going through this uh, bag of pictures and I saw pictures of my dad with this lady and this baby in the hospital. I'm like, who the hell is this baby? I'm like, oh my God, my dad's cheating on my mom. What's going on? And, but then I'm looking at the baby's picture. I'm like, this baby looks like crazy familiar. I don't know why this baby looks so familiar. (laughs) (laughs) This is nuts. Then I'm like, you know, maybe I should look at my passport picture, like my first passport picture. And I compare it. I'm like, what the hell is going on? This is the same baby. What is this? Like, you know, I'm just like losing my shit. I'm like, this is crazy. But I was too scared to ask anybody about it. So, you know, it's I like just, an episode of Scooby-Doo. Like. Exactly. Yeah, that's how it felt. And I used to watch Scooby-Doo a lot back then, but I still couldn't figure it out what was going on. Yeah. So so this let's go back to your... Um, oh, unless you were going to say something. If you had... To, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the other side, so you're, you're, you're there now you have a baby, your husband's going out, coming back with gold lipstick, you're sleeping with your mother-in-law downstairs yeah, um, and, and you have a daughter and yeah. So, so there was this, uh, another episode, uh, we were having breakfast and um, I, I'm, I'm like feeding my daughter something at breakfast and my husband goes, you know, go get me something. I, I don't exactly remember what he wanted. Like maybe he was like looking for some, some sort of paper or something upstairs. But my daughter was like really hungry. So I'm like, uh, can I feed her first? And then I'll go get, get your thing. And he just lost his shit. He just grabbed my daughter from like her shirt and he like took her outside by the window. He's like, I'm going to throw this piece of shit outside. Mm. You don't fucking listen oh. to me. You think this is like more important than, than what I'm asking you to do? Like you've lost your fucking mind. And I am just like, just sitting there like petrified. He's just basically like Michael Jackson. He's holding the baby outside the window. He's like, I'm going to throw her outside. And, and I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, if I react right now, he, he might like get a kick out of it. He might try to do it more. Maybe if I just sit there and not do anything, he'll just realize that it's not affecting me. So I just like sat there like completely, like basically paralyzed, like not knowing what to do. My stepmom is, lo- I mean, not my stepmom, my mother-in-law is losing her shit. She's like, you're a nut job. Like, give me the baby. And he's like, no, this girl is like losing her mind. She's not respecting me. Like, I'm telling her to do something. And she's like, I'm going to take care of the baby first. Like, fuck you. You know, I wanted a boy. I didn't want a girl. And like, she's giving her more preference than me. How many floors are you up? Um, this is a third floor. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So, and, so his, and, even his mother-in-law was like, yeah, don't do that with the baby. Yeah. Even your mom. So, like, somehow she calmed him down, like, got the baby out the, of the window area. And then he, like, took me upstairs, beat the hell out of me. He's like, how dare you disrespect me in front of my mom? I'm like, I'm not disrespecting you. I'm just feeding the child that was hungry. You know, like, are, are your needs more important than, than a newborn baby when the baby's hungry? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? So, you know, the, the shit like that. Like, just, like, completely just nuts you know just if i ever like, said something he would just like completely piss him off and just lose his shit and, uh, that kind of stuff just continued for six years i tried to do my best i was like you know maybe if i'm six good years. enough of a, 
Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe if I'm good enough, maybe maybe if I don't say anything, maybe if I don't answer back, maybe if I don't do this, maybe if I don't, like, I just kept thinking the fault was in me. Maybe I was not a good enough of a Muslim wife. You know, if I was good enough, if I prayed enough, you know, everything would be fine. But it wasn't. And uh, and then eventually, like, I, I, I came across, like, you know, the internet at that point came out and and that was the one thing that I guess he did good was like just give me a computer and I was able to go on the computer for maybe an hour or two a day. Mm-hmm. So I just started to browse and then one day I came across his website, faithfreedom.org, where this guy made all these claims about Muhammad. This is uh, Ali Sinna's website. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and I just like I read all that and at this point I'm just like super religious I'm trying to do everything I can like all kinds of prayers to make your husband be nice to you like all these special prayers and nothing was working and this guy's claiming all these things I'm like oh my god this guy is like seeing all these terrible things about my religion and the prophet like how dare he and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to my um should I forgot the name? Uh, like, what is in, in, in Shia Islam that you have to talk to somebody like hi? I have yeah, definitely. So um, I, I emailed them in Iran. I was like, you know, this guy's making all these claims. Like, this is terrible. You know, can you, can you, like, this guy's saying, like, anybody that can prove me wrong, I, I'll take this stuff off the internet. Can you guys help me, like, so I can have him take all this stuff off of the so, website? So just to explain, this is like you, you go taklid is when you go to a religious authority. Usually a mushtahid who's a who's mm-hmm. a who's a uh, a learned scholar, and you ask them about matters, and they give you advice. Um, right. This is a Shia thing, by the way. Ex Sunnis that are listening right now, this is another thing that people uh, Sunnis hate about Shias because we're like following other people like instead clerics, of clerics. Like, yeah, rather than yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because basically, the logic is that you can't you you you're too stupid to understand all the hadith and the Quran yourself. You have mm-hmm. to find the scholar that is knows his shit and basically follow him and even if you make a mistake as long as you try your best to find a good you're in the right even if so if any mistakes is up on him not on you exactly yeah right yeah Yeah, and uh yeah yeah that's um that's that's what i did and was in iran you said yeah called up somebody in iran okay i didn't call him I, i emailed them Oh, email them. Okay. They were oh. advanced back in the day, too. Iran is such an authority when it comes oh, yeah, to Yeah, they had uh, uh, Sistani, um, Ayatollah Sistani. You could actually. Yeah, I think, I think it was Sistani's, uh, some guy. I, I, I'm pretty sure that was uh, who I emailed. Yeah, yeah, he had a team of people that you could just write to them and you could ask them about, Sistani you know, in Iran? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Sistani I, was in Iraq. He, he is. Yeah. Maybe it was Iraq. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. It was like it's so blurry now. It was like so long ago. I don't really remember yeah. exactly who I emailed. Yeah, yeah. he he lives uh, in he lives in Najaf, but he is Iranian. So yeah, but he's hated by the Iranian Majid uh, Anyways, let's go. Okay, so you emailed somebody and they yeah, got and back to you, and they said, uh, "Don't doubt." Was the answer. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. How am I gonna go back to this guy and say? I'm not going to doubt whatever you're saying is wrong. <laughs> what kind of answer is that? 
Like, you, could, you should have written to us. We would have told you like uh, no, we this is if I knew you guys were around, I would have I would have written to you guys. <laughs> you know, you know why I'm loving this because I'm challenging people to tell uh, to say that you know reform is not the right answer. You should just make people doubt, right? And you went from being outright Muslim and now seeing an ex-Muslim and investigating that instead of meeting a reformer. And basically, okay. the thing, the answer that you got. Uh, from the Majid Taqlid was exactly the most important weapon that I think we have against Islam, which yeah. is doubt. So, yeah. And they were like, don't do that. Don't doubt. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I, I'm just like, and at that point, I wasn't even doubting. I just wanted somebody to like give me ammo so I can go and tell this guy how wrong he is. And then he was just like, don't doubt. I'm like, what, like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. You know, so then I, I emailed a bunch of other guys and, and basically they all came back with one version or the other of don't doubt. I'm like, I, I can't go back to this guy. So I'm like, well, let me just see what this guy is all about. So I go on the website, I read up on it. And then, you know, I compare the notes that he put on the website to the Quran and the Hadith. And I'm just like, oh, shit, you know, this guy is like, whatever he's saying, it's actually making sense. You know, I can't, <laughs> can't say no to what he's saying. Right. And, and at that point, um, so my, my ex-husband's uncle, I still don't know where he stands, but he, he made this, uh, he said the story to me once. He's like, you know, the, the story of, um, you know, when Adam was created and how last uh, all the uh, angels to bow down in front of Adam. Right. And Iblis basically refused yeah. to bow down. Iblis means the devil. To yeah. The guy who later became Satan. Yeah. Now, now. But Iblis was not an angel, by the way. He was a jinn. That's way. that's where I'm getting to. So oh, Iblis okay. was was not an angel. He was a jinn, and jinns are made out of fire. Right. And that was that was his thing. He was like, well, why should I? I'm made out of fire. I'm superior. Why should I bow down to something that's made out of mud? Right. Makes sense. So right. so basically, God <laughs> asked all the angels to bow down. Then why the hell does he punish Iblis? Because you know he didn't even ask the jinns to bow down in front of Adam. Oh, yeah. yeah. So hey. saying, oh, yeah. You're that's right. a very good point. I've yeah, never so, thought about that. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit. you know, how did God forget that you know, he, he made Iblis out of fire? Yeah, we didn't so get like, the Bujians didn't get the memo. Why are you punishing us for something yeah. that we weren't ordered to do? Well, no wonder he's pissed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like fuck. He's like, I'm gonna fuck you guys over for the rest of eternity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, holy shit, like, you know, now I'm thinking about it. So like, like just that one story and I just like kept like, I kept going back to it. I'm like, you know, that thing that he said about Iblis made, you know, being made, being a jinn and being made out of fire. And then he got us all the angels to bow down and the angels bow down. And then Iblis was like, why should I do it? You know, I'm like, you know, you didn't, you asked all the angels, not all the, all the jinns, yeah, right. you know, why should I be the only jinn that's being singled out? What the hell? Right. No, you didn't even order me. Like he, yeah. maybe he was just saying, if I was asked to do it, it would be ridiculous. But good thing I was never asked to bow. <laughs> no, <laughs> but then, but then he gets like he gets, gets you know, he gets he gets punished. Sure. So, so then he said the story, and I'm thinking about it. So I keep thinking about it, and then I'm going through the website, and then eventually I realized, like, uh, yeah, I don't think that I'm, you know, following the right religion. <laughs> 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 okay. so like, uh, and how, um, how old are you now like uh, uh this was 2004 
So I was born in '83. Uh, that's, that's I'm really bad at math. So you do you do the math. Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. 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 So someone. Like, oh no! Oh, sorry, twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, some, something like no, no, that. Eighty-four. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Eighty-three. Yeah. So you do you do you, do, you, you sure. go like this. You say if it's two thousand and three you're twenty, so you adjusted by one. But I think both Ali and I adjusted it the other way. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a Shia math. Like Shia. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the same logic that you know yeah. that applies to the Iblis thing applied to our yeah. mathematical calculation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so twenty one, okay. Yeah, so I'm like, oh shit, you know, like so then I started researching more and more and more and I'm like, Yep. Definitely the wrong religion. So now, now I start looking at other religions. So I'm like, oh, maybe I, I can find another religion. That's right. You know, then, then I start looking at other religions and like I start looking at Judaism. I start, so like at that point, I'm so miserable and I just want to get the hell out of my ex-husband's house. So I'm like, well, maybe if I do a Jewish prayer. So I, I go on this Jewish website where you can put prayers in, in the wall. And like you can type up your prayers and then somebody <laughs> goes and puts it in the wall in Israel. I'm like, you know, maybe if I write a prayer that please get me out of this shithole, like get me out of my, my Weren't you house. worried about like, isn't Judaism like a scary thing in, for, among an Islamic family? Like wouldn't people be were like, wow, you're putting Jewish stuff in walls? Like wouldn't that be like... What, like no, no, no. So, so this website, you know, the Jew, the Jews have this uh, wailing wall, you know, where they go yeah, and yeah, pray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if you write down the prayer oh, on that. you wanted to, somebody to put it in the wailing wall for you. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. You can't so do that. A, so you don't have to go. Yeah. Appar no, apparently there's a website where you, call, you can go in and, and this is back then. I don't know if it's still, still yeah, It wasn't just the Shias who were advanced with the internet. It's like, we, oh, should, yeah. we should get them to put like Atheist Republic or Secular Jihad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I did that. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe if I put a prayer, maybe if, if the J Jewish religion is like the true religion, you know, if they could get me out of the shithole, maybe I'll, I'll follow that religion. So I did that. I put like I put multiple freaking uh, prayers, and none of them worked. I'm like still sitting at my husband's house, still beating the crap out of me. Did you me. have I'm to like, pay? No. Oh. Maybe if I paid, I would be able to get out quicker. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Oh God. No. Okay. No Jew. No Jewish jokes. No Jewish money jokes now. Guys. No, no, no. Okay. Why not? <laughs> no, anyway, go ahead. Our entire shows. Okay, go. Ahead. So, so then you know, like, and then nothing happens. So I'm like, all right, okay, this this doesn't work either. All right, let me go to Buddhism. So I'm like, you know, like trying to do some Buddhist prayers, but I'm like, there's no prayers, like, so I can curse them. So I'm like, okay, this doesn't work either. <laughs> So I started looking at so that was your, that, wait. Let's, let's 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 actually think about it. the problem. Your the, your problem with Buddhism was it didn't have curses. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, I, I need something more powerful, you know, something more potent. So, so then I started researching, like, uh, you know, witchcraft. I'm like, you know, maybe if I do some witchcraft, I can, like, you know, like get get rid of these people. <laughs> that didn't work either. Uh, like they had like some some special. Uh, potion that I had to make under under the moonlight and you know I'm like you know young and, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing so I, I go on the roof and I make this special potion with like ground up uh glass and I'm like you know and I just blow it in the air and then you know I, I'll be able to escape that that didn't work either <laughs> so I'm like crap you know like uh, I'm like were, in, a, in a real were you scared to be caught doing witchcraft like isn't the punishment for that uh, punishment for witchcraft in Islam death yeah, but I wasn't. I wasn't like you know advertising it. I was doing it on the download. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to say some of our uh, uh, Christian members of the audience, yeah. um, they're going to say, well, you never tried Christianity. Did you even try looking for Jesus? Yeah, I did actually. I, I, I actually looked into that too, but there was just like too much love and stuff and I was getting so much hate. I, don't, I, I couldn't like, you know, fight all the, all the love. Right. Oh. Yeah, actually, you're so right. It's so much bullshit. It's like, love your enemies, and then you look at your husband, and like, yeah, I, wanted like, to I don't want him, to love this know? guy. I wanted <laughs> to like mix some rat poison in this food, but you know, that was against the law, so I couldn't do that either. So I'm like, you know, sitting in this situation, and I'm like, crap, how the hell do I get out of here? Um, you know, then, you know, I got into this like deep, like psychological spiral, I became anorexic, you know, I, I had no control over my life. So I'm like, okay, the only control I have is over the amount of food I eat. So, you know, that, that became like a very downward spiral. I went down to like 120 pounds. And one day my uh, stepsister saw me outside and like, she apparently saw like, you know, the last time she saw me, I was like 180 pounds. And then she sees me, I'm 120 pounds. So she thinks probably I'm like some sort of like disease or something. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, uh, I couldn't say anything because I was so scared. My husband was around and I called one of my friends and I told her what happened. So she called my sister and she's like, you know, Raphael is in a real shitty situation. Her husband beats the crap out of her and she's not happy and all this and that. So my sister goes like, so uh, she didn't know that for six years? Your sister didn't know that you had an abusive husband? No, no. Like, basically, my whole side, my dad's side of the family cut off communication with me. They had no idea what was going on. Okay. Well. So, you know, the, until she saw me outside and she was like, holy shit, you know, like, are you okay? You don't look very well. And contacted my friend and my friend told her you know, she's not happy and her husband beats her and all this and that. So uh, she told my friend, you know, if, if she wants, you know, I can help her get out of there. You know, why doesn't she come and, and stay with me? And, and I started talking to my sister and, uh, you know, she, I told her what happened. And she's like, you know, I, I'll try talking to dad and see if he can, you know, if he'll let you come back. She talked to my dad and my dad's like, you know, fuck that. I don't want her coming here, blah, 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 blah. And then my sister calls me. She's like, okay, dad won't take you back, but you can come and stay at my house. You know, I, I don't want you to suffer anymore. You know, even though we're not really sister, sister, but you know, you're still related to me. Come, come over. So she helped me get out. She's like, you know, I'll, I'll uh, come and pick you up. So she basically came in, in like the Ninja Turtle outfit, you know, the hijab <laughs> and the burqa. The, the burqa Ninja Turtle yeah, outfit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so she came in, in a cab and she's like you know and that day my my ex-husband was like uh, outside and he's like oh you you know he yelled out at me and it's like oh you want anything to eat so it's like oh shit this is my this is my moment this is my escape um, and i asked him for a sandwich from like someplace that was really far away that would give me enough time to like pack all my stuff and grab my daughter and just you know call my sister and leave just enough time so I was like, oh, yeah, can you get me a sandwich from this place? Uh, he goes, um, I'm only able to get it right away, but I'll get it for you, you know, at the end of the night. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. So it was, um, that day was, the, I think, the 23rd of March. It was uh, a Pakistani holiday, I think. Pakistan Resolution Day. That's when yeah. the, the Lahore Resolution, yeah, Pakistan was created. Back yeah, there. 23rd yeah. of March is also now Atheist Day, by the way. No shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. So it was it was a holiday. All the locksmiths and everybody was out. All the stores were closed. My my. So at this point, my ex husband would lock. You know, when he would leave the house, he would put a lock on the outside, a padlock, so I wouldn't be able to leave. 
And that one particular day, he forgot to put the lock on. What? He had wow. the lock just hanging. So the he, witchcraft and was it one of those things didn't work? One of those things stuck. I don't know which <laughs> one it was. If I only I knew, I would go back to it. But I'm pretty sure it was the Judaism. The moon, the moon, the moon. No, because they, they sponsor this podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Never mind. Yes, you're right. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. Ali is yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. then I was like, yes, you know, it's finally, you know. So I just started packing everything, you know, pack my clothes, pack my daughter's diapers and everything. And as soon as I like, I look over the window and I see like he's gone. And I can't really look over the window, you know. I have to be very careful because if he sees me hanging out the window, he just yell at me. It's like, you know, go back inside. People can see you. So I had to like peek from the side of the window to see, like, make sure that his car was gone. And as soon as I realized, I called my sister. I'm like, okay, he's gone. You can come pick me up. So my sister comes over with, with a cab with like her whole outfit. And I go downstairs. And right before I leave, I take that goddamn padlock and I lock it from the outside <laughs> before I leave. I'm like, you know, try, try getting in the house with that, with no locksmith. Everything's closed. Yeah, one, one last fuck you. <laughs> yeah, basically, that was the, the last fuck you to him. Um, I got in the car, went to my sister's house. This was like around, I think, three, four in the afternoon. And the next day, three o'clock in the morning, my ex-husband shows up at my dad's house with the rangers and cops and uh, tries to break into my dad's house. And my dad like pulls off a clash and cough from inside. My dad was like, Drinking like an AK-47, right? Wait, yeah. dad was drinking the night before? Yeah, he was drinking the night before. He didn't know what was what was going down. And then when, <laughs> you know, when he hears my ex-husband ringing the doorbell and yelling, he's like, get my wife out. And my dad, like, loses his shit. <laughs> and he, like, you know, and then the, my ex-husband goes, like, the lady cops are here. They're going to come inside and check. And my dad comes out. He's like, fuck you and your fucking lady cops. And he starts shooting at the cops. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I can't make this shit up. This is ridiculous. No, can, but I am just amazed at how funny and charming you are, and with this story, like the way that you're, like, it's such a tragic story. But the thing is, you have, uh, you just have this sense of humor. Yeah, about you have it, to have a sense of humor because if you don't you laugh about it, you're how do you? How do you? Yeah, you're right. How do? How do you? Yeah, okay, that, I think that's, 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 that's what that's that's it. You're, you're, you're leaving us at the you know, cliffhanger. Okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Armin is Iranian action movies. <laughs> right. So, you, your, your dad comes and says, fuck you, and your, your lady cops. Wait, yeah. your husband has had balls because even the mullahs were afraid of your dads, and he's now showing yeah. up with cops at his door. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so then, like, he didn't realize that my dad would actually show show up with a freaking like uh, assault <laughs> rifle and start shooting at the cops. Like, you know, like not actually at the cops, but he was like shooting in the air. Right, and then right. the cops lose their shit. They're like, "What the hell? Like, why did you bring us to this nut house? house? Like, what the hell is going on? Who is this guy?" And, and then, like, I guess they found out who the guy was actually. And then the cops left. And then my <laughs> husband had to leave too. So then my dad calls my sister. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? Why did he show up at my house? And my sister's like, oh, by the way, she's at my house. He's like, that's ridiculous. I told you not to help her. He's like, you know what? Bring her back to my house. He's like, I can't believe he did this. So now I was spite because he's pissed off at my husband. He's like, no, now you come at my, now I'm going to help my daughter because I'm pissed off at her husband. Not because he loves you, but because he yeah. hates like he wants to piss him off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. So I'm like, wow. Dad of the wow. year. 
Okay. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so I'm just like, wow, great. That's awesome. But then I was thinking in my head, I guess it's better, you know, at least the guy shoots up the lady cops and, and, and you know, has, has no uh, fear about it. So I'd rather stay at his house than at stay at my sister's house. So, so I go to my dad's house, you know, like he gives me a lot of shit about it. He's like, you know, you did this, you did that, you're a horrible person, but look what you did to me. You know, he showed up with the lady cops at my house. I'm like, but you shot at the lady cops. Like, you know, so what's the big deal? He's like, that's not the point. This is all I do. This is all these female police women just standing outside. They're like, where the hell are we? How do we end up here? <laughs> this is not why we got into this. Okay, so just to make it clear to the audience, the reason why they're sending lady cops is because they don't want to get a man to go grab a woman, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And exactly. the reason why your dad—correct uh, me if I'm wrong—the reason why your dad is offended about the lady cops is because you get you're you're having women coming exactly. into your territory, and this is so offensive for women yeah. to be able to like <laughs> dominate dominate your house like that. What is right? Yeah, oh, exactly. So God. it was a complete shit show. It's like, you know, you're coming to fight me, bring men. Why are you bringing women to fight me? What do you think I am? You know? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is exactly why ISIS were so afraid of being killed by uh, Kur yeah. Kurdish female fighters because yeah. it's one of the most offensive ways to die yeah. by a female. By a female it, so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think my dad had that same mindset. Such a feminist religion. <laughs> it's actually also, uh, apart from the religion, this is also why Saturday Night Live uses a lot of females like Melissa McCarthy to do Sean Spicer because the yeah. administration they get really <laughs> offended if they're portrayed by women like right. you know that right. guy the attorney general too the same thing you were gonna Jeff say Sessions. Right, go on go on go on Good. So, so then I started living at my dad's house and everything was cool. Everything was, you know, kosher. Uh, we went to, you know, we went to London for vacation, for summer vacation. Me and my daughter, the whole family, everything was cool. He came back and, uh, you know, slowly but surely my dad goes like, so what are your plans? What are you going to do with your life? And I'm just like, you know, I don't know. I, all I know is I'm not going to go back. And then he's like, you know, you're married. You have a daughter. Nobody's going to take you. You're spoiled now, you know. You're, you're not you're not a so-called virgin woman anymore. Nobody's going to want to marry you. You know, you have to figure out something. I'm like, figure product. out what? Use product. Yeah, use product, basically. Yeah. It's like, you know, what are you going to do? You have to go back. I'm like, uh, that is out of the question. You know, he beat the crap out of me for six years. I tried everything. I'm not going back to this guy. And he's like, well, what if I talk to him and, and make him promise that he's not going to beat you? I'm like, you know, are you like insane? Like, he's still going to beat me. It doesn't matter like how much, how many promises he makes to you. He made lots of promises to me in the six years I was married to him. And he still continued with that, you know. And the, the guy actually, so I'm going to backtrack. My ex-husband actually beat his own mom to the point he, where he cracked her ribs. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. So, like, I'm like, the guy that beats the crap out of his mom to the point that he breaks her ribs, like, why do you think that he's going to, like, respect you and stop beating me all of a sudden because you made him promise, like, a pinky promise? Like, what the hell are you talking about? So, and then, like, just, like, slowly but surely, the pressure started building up, first from my dad, and then my sister's like, no, you need to go back, you know, you're, nobody's going to accept you and with your daughter, you, you know, at the end of the day, he's the father of your daughter, you have to go back, you have to go back. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then it just eventually became like a, a pretty hostile environment between my dad and my sister and myself and my stepmom. And I was like, okay, it's time to leave. So I, um, I got my passport ready. I filed for my daughter's visa. 
And then I contacted the American consulate. I was like, I need to file for divorce because my dad's pressuring me to go back. It, it became pretty bad at that point, you know, to the point where like my dad was locking me in the house. I was like, great. Now I come from my husband locking me in the house and now my dad's locking me in the house. Like, what the hell? So I, I called the American consulate and they got, gave me a lawyer. I, I, as soon as I filed for Hula, um, the, the papers got to my husband and my dad found out and he loses his shit. All right. So, yes. just to be clear, just for uh, just an extent, um, women can't go anywhere without the permission of their male owner, basically. Yeah. If, if you're not married, that would be your dad. If you're married, that would be your husband. So, yeah. so they they have that built in the system, so that when yeah. you actually apply for a visa, your male owner gets a notification. Oh, that well, no, your, it wasn't. Your property, it wasn't your property is about to leave. Uh, it wasn't the visa. It was it was the divorce papers. So once my oh, my okay, ex husband okay, got okay. served the divorce papers, because I was a I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen. I was born in the U.S., so he wouldn't really get notified. But my daughter was oh, born in Pakistan. Okay, okay. So I, I contacted the consulate. I was like, oh, "This this is the kind of stuff that's going on. Can you guys help me?" They're, so they were like, "You know, we'll get you a lawyer and this so and why that." Why couldn't you leave then get a divorce? Because I don't know, I didn't think this thing through. I thought that it was all cool and, you know, there's just a lot going on. And I was already like so traumatized from everything before. I just was not thinking ahead, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So, Khula is a, it's really because you hear a lot of people that, I guess, the many the apologists and the moderates who say that, you know, Islam is a feminist religion and they gave women their rights, gave the women the right to divorce. Khula is really just the right to seek. A divorce from your husband it's not yeah, it's, the right the husband can divorce you simply by pronouncing yeah you yeah. divorce three times and then you're divorced but for the woman she has to actually get pretty Files much for divorce and then uh, is up to being approved or not All right so it's, it's definitely not equal right That's yeah anyway go on so then as soon as he got served the papers my dad loses the shit like he starts yelling and cursing and you know, I, I have the passports ready. I'm like, okay, you know, if, if things get bad, I'm just going to leave with my daughter. I have the passport ready and everything. The next but day... Wh- why, comes, why is your dad upset again? Like, what's the point? Like, what's your... So well, he's like, well, I told you, you need to make this thing work out. Why are you trying to get it? And why are they so set on making you uh, work work it out with your husband? Because now I'm used property and nobody else is going to marry me. And then I'm going to be like uh, a burden on my dad and he'll have to provide for me. I don't, I don't freaking right. know what, okay. what the reasoning was. Right, yeah. So, you know, that happened as soon as my dad finds out that uh, my ex-husband got served the divorce papers, he loses his shit. He's like, you know, why would you do this? Why would you disobey me? You know, what you want to always do whatever the hell you want to do. This is ridiculous. And then... And, you know, I just like started there. I just became really reclusive at that point. I, would, I wouldn't even leave my room. I would just stay inside all day. And then, uh, and then he came over. He's like, you know what? You've been like, you seem really depressed. And let's, let's go for a ride. Let's go to the park. Bring your daughter. So like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, my dad's changed man. You know, I'm, I'm going to go for, for a ride to the park with him. This is really weird. I don't remember the last time I was at the park with him. So I go with my daughter and like, he's just like driving around in circles. And I'm just like, where are you going? Like, we're not really going to the park. Uh, why are you going around in circles? He's like, I just want to talk to you. I'm like, talk to me about what? And he wouldn't even talk to me. Just like basically drove around in circles. He didn't even go to a park. And then he just dropped me back home. I mean, that's weird. So, okay, I came home. I went back to my closet, started looking for the passport. Oh, and both sorry. my passport and my daughter's passport are missing. 
I'm like, oh. jerk. I'm like, I can't believe you did that. Like, I actually trusted the guy. And for a second, I was like, wow, he actually cares for me. Like, he actually feels for me. Like, you know, maybe he loves me because he's my dad. But no, he does this shit. You know, he just makes me leave with him so that my sister and my stepmom can go in the room and look for my passport, my daughter's passport, and take it away. That's so fucked Exactly. And then, uh, basically, like, just like, I don't know what's going to happen. The next day, first thing in the morning, I'm sleeping. And my daughter's sleeping, I think it was like a Saturday or something, or maybe it was like summer vacation. I think my daughter wasn't even in school at that point. Um, and I locked my door uh, and, I, and I heard, and I, as soon as I heard my, my ex-husband's voice, I was like, oh shit. Like I heard him like in the house. I started, I locked the door and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm just like shaking. I can't believe like, you know, he actually brought the guy inside the house. And he's like, Your dad brought him inside the house. Yeah, he, he brought him inside the house. Now, this is the same guy a year ago. He was like shooting with an AK-47 at the guy. And now he brings the guy inside the house to take me away. Like, I can't believe you're actually doing this. And, and I just locked the door. And then my dad brings a, a freaking uh, a screwdriver and try, starts take, basically takes the whole door off the hinges. And they, then like, I'm just sitting there like grabbing my daughter. Like My daughter was like three years old at that point not even the two and a half years old. Like my ex-husband walks in the room and my dad and they both wrestle my daughter out of my arms. And then oh, my ex-husband, my daughter's like screaming and crying and they, my ex-husband just like runs away. And my aunt is there and my dad, my dad's sister and my dad. And they're like, well, if you don't go back now, you're never going to see your daughter again. So I'm just like losing my shit. I'm like, you guys are such fucking assholes. And I lose my shit. And my, my aunt is like, you know, you need to be a good Muslim mother and you need to be a good wife. You know, she's trying to give me like this whole lecture and lose my shit. I just like slapped her right across the face. I'm like, fuck you and your fucking sermon. And my dad is like, how dare you slap your aunt? She is your elder. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You guys are fucking assholes. And well, like, let me backtrack on that. Um, so before this whole thing happened, uh, I, I forgot to tell you guys. So before the whole, you know, screw the door off the hinges and everything, my dad actually brought my husband over a couple of times in the house, tried to talk to me. And my husband comes in and my dad actually locks me, locks everything on the outside. And now I'm locked in with my husband in the same room and I can't leave the room because he locked from the outside. And my, my husband goes to me, he's like, you can't kick me out of here because your dad brought me and I can do whatever the hell I want and you have to listen to me. And I had just made a cup of tea in the morning. I'm like, I can't believe this. You know, so the, the only thing I could do was just like throw my tea at his face, like hot steaming tea. And, and, and then he's like, oh, you fucking nut job. Like, I can't believe you attacked me. And then I threw the cup at him too. I'm like, yeah, that's for all the fucking years of you beating the shit out of me. Like, if you stay here anymore, I'm going to fucking kill you. So then he starts like yelling and screaming. He's like, let me out. Your daughter is a fucking nut job. She's attacking me. She threw tea at me. She threw her mug at me and blah, 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 blah. So that happened. And then two days later after that, the whole episode of my dad bringing me over and taking my daughter away. So then I'm like sitting there like crying my eyes out. I'm like, I can't believe you guys like would do this. Like you guys betrayed the shit out of me. Like what the hell? And my dad is like, you did this to yourself for being disobedient. You disobeyed your father. You disobeyed your dad. And look what happened to you. Now you don't even have your child. This is all your fault. I'm like, wow. Like, really? Like, what the hell? So, and then he was just, I kept telling me, like, you need to go back. I'm like, I will not go back. And, that, and at that point, I was just like, 
that no matter what, like after everything you've guys done, there is no way I'm going to listen to you guys. I am not going back. So I refused to go back. I stayed there for another two, three days at my dad's house, just like every day, arguing with my dad, just like crazy fights every day. And then one day, like it just escalated and my dad said, you know, I wish you, were, you had died the day that you were born. And then he came outside with the Quran in his hand and like went outside. He's like, I pray to God. I hope like all the evil fall upon you. I hope you had died and you're the worst child and I'm this and that. And I just lost my shit. I was like, you know what? Screw you. And I just like walked out with whatever I was wearing. I, I had no idea where I was going to go. And I just left. And my stepsister started yelling, oh, my God, she's leaving. She's leaving. And my dad's like, you know, like, I hope she dies. You know, she's never going to be anything. She's going to be a prostitute on the street. She has no skills. I have blah, 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 blah. So I just like before I left, I was like, you know what? Watch me. And I just left. And I just shut the door in front of in his face and I just left. And I started walking and I got into a, a, a rickshaw and the guy's like, well, you know, where are you going? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Just keep driving. And then it took me a while to figure out where I'm going to go. I ended up at a friend's house and uh, then they contacted the American consulate and I told them what happened. And the consulate was like, well, we can help you get back to the state, but we cannot do anything with your daughter because she's a Pakistani citizen and you need to go. How did you have your U.S. citizenship? I was born, in the, born US. in the U.S. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So they're like, you know, we can help you get back to the States, but we can't do anything about your daughter because she's a Pakistani citizen. So you need to go through the Pakistani course since you already have a divorce case in, in the proceeding. Maybe you should add this too. So I, I contact the lawyer and the lawyer is like, well, you know, your daughter is already three years old at this stage. And according to Pakistani law, the father is a natural guardian. And, you know, you only have right until you're breastfeeding the child and, uh, you can't really have her. Even if you go to court, you're just going to waste your money. And at that point, I didn't even have much money. I just had enough money to basically get a ticket and get to the U.S. So when I landed, you know, at, at that point, I just like sat and thought about it. I'm like, either I can sit here and just either be homeless on the streets of Pakistan or um, I can just go back to the States and figure shit out and later on come back and deal with this situation. So that's what I did. I, I had the American consulate, you know, help me finalize the divorce and everything and came to the U.S. Had no idea what I was going to do. Basically came here with barely any money to my name. And they, they issued you a, a new passport and everything like that? Yeah, they yeah. Knew you were I filed, for, uh, filed that uh, my passport was stolen and everything. Mm-hmm. So I came, I came here and, you know, just worked my butt off, uh, tried contacting my daughter for eight years on and off. Didn't hear from her. Eight uh, years. Yeah. Eight Holy years. Shit. And that's yeah. not what you thought when you left. You didn't think that it would be eight years when you yeah, left. Yeah. Right? I thought maybe it would be like six months, maybe seven months, maybe a year max. You know, every year that went by, every Mother's Day was like such a freaking ordeal. You know, people would say, well, happy Mother's Day. And inside I'll be like, oh, my God, like, what the hell? You know, I could barely like hold my tears in. And people would ask me, oh, do you have any kids? I'd be like, yeah, I have a daughter. And they're like, oh, no, how is she? Like, what does she like? And I'd be like, I don't know. You know, it was just like so awkward talking mm-hmm. about it. And um, yeah, so like for eight years, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like for the first I'd say four years, I was struggling to even like make ends meet and uh, basically came here with nothing. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I went back to school. 
and everything. And then eventually I was financially stable enough. I'm like, okay, now maybe I can go back. Maybe I can do something. Like I contacted a few lawyers and tried to like learn the laws and everything. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Even if I get to like meet her or hear her voice, uh, if it's court mandated, that'd be better than the situation that I'm in right now. So that's what I did. Like I, I filed for custody back in 2014. And uh, like I, I filed for a bunch of different cases. So I filed that, you know, if something happens to me when I go back to Pakistan, these people are responsible and all these things. Like before I filed for that custody thing, I made sure everything that was online, I, I you know, I just completely removed my online presence. So if there was anything that I talked about, like against Islam or, you know, for women's rights or any of those things, I made sure like none of that uh, footprint was online. So I, they, it took like years of preparation before even like starting so, this. So, so what, during these four, um, years, you did have, you did mention uh, stuff about Islam online and you just went back and deleted them. Yeah, yeah, right. basically. So at this point, you were already like what an atheist, like ex-Muslim atheist. Uh, I was that back in Pakistan in in two thousand five. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, and 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 at that point, but I had already expressed to my husband that you know, because he would say, you know, he would just pull all these Quranic verses every time he would beat me, and I would be like, you know, I don't believe in all that, and he would just like shove the Quran in my face, and then I would be like, I don't believe in all that, you know, it doesn't doesn't make a difference. That that always works when we show them. Yeah, and then he was like, "You're possessed by the possessed by the jinn," and like he would just mix like some uh, some uh, dua or something in water with like that was written in saffron, and just mix it in the water and like try to spray it on me like I'm some sort of demon oh, or something. Exercising, he was yeah. trying to do the, an exorcism. Exactly, yeah. I, I'm like, nope, not working, still not working, you know. Mm. So he's like, oh, you're, you're possessed by a very strong demon. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's called a brain. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so then, uh, you know, I came here. Such a like, good quote. I'm going to use. Yeah, yeah we're going to have to. Uh, that's going to be that. a poll quote for this, uh, for this episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry. <laughs> Feel free to. Yeah. So so yeah. So then I came here. You know, I just removed all the all the online presence and everything. Uh, but when, when I, as soon as I filed for custody, my husband lost his shit. He's like, oh, "I'm gonna tell the judge you drink, you have boyfriends, you have this, you have blah blah blah. You you disrespected the Quran. You don't believe in Islam. You watch what I'm gonna do to you." I'm like, "Okay." And you're in Pakistan at this point? No, th- no, I was still in the U.S. Okay, but you. But I, to do this, you have to go to Pakistan. No, I, I contacted lawyers uh, online from the mm-hmm. U.S. Mm-hmm. and I sent them everything by mail, and they did everything over there. Okay, good. So uh, then he loses the shit. He's like, "Wait, I'm going to pull all your Facebook, blah 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 blah." And then I guess he goes online and he can't find anything. He's like, "I don't." He probably was thinking, "Fuck, <laughs> I wish I had saved all that before." <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so he couldn't find anything, and then uh, you know his response right away to the custody thing was, you know, "She's not a Muslim anymore, and she disrespected the Quran." When I eventually did go to Pakistan in, in front of the judge, and he's like, "Yeah, she threw the Quran at me, and you know she doesn't believe in Islam, and she doesn't believe in Muhammad, and blah 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 blah." And tried all this shit, and I had talked to my lawyer beforehand. And my lawyer said, you know, we can go with that, uh, with the defense that, you know, he's just using the blasphemy laws to try to, you know, 
basically have you back off. But I'm, I'm not going to lie. At that point, when the second that I received the response to the custody battle where he said, you know, she doesn't believe in Islam. I was like, oh, shit. And the first thing I did was like, you know, look up the blasphemy laws in Pakistan. You know, the, the, the thing was like capital punishment. I'm like, oh, crap, you know. So you might not. So you were thinking that not only you might not get your daughter, yeah. you might actually go to Pakistan and get the death penalty. Exactly. So now I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I, I, I don't think I, I really thought this through. Right. Uh, so I'm just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, basically. And uh, you talk to the lawyer and the lawyer is like, you know, don't worry, everything is going to be okay. But that that's the whole mentality. You know, the lawyers, like, even if the shit's hitting the fan, they're like, oh, don't worry, everything is going to be okay, <laughs> God willing. You know, every time it's like, inshallah, everything will be great. I'm like, no, don't. Don't say inshallah, like what is the probability? And then the, every time we'll be like inshallah, inshallah. And I would just like get so pissed off because and and I would it, like inshallah means God willing, right? Right, right. Yeah. And my natural instinct would be like, don't fucking say that word. Just tell me what are the probabilities of me getting hung. But then I couldn't like really say that, you know, because they, in a way, me telling them not to say inshallah, I guess it's like sort of blasphemy. Confirming. Yeah. Yeah. So the, like, the lawyer to, might join the other side. We're like, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I had to be like, you know, you know, really careful with what I, what I say and what I do. I'm just like, oh, shit. So the lawyer's like, oh, don't worry. You know, you come in, you're going to tell the judge and, you know, everything's going to be okay. And the, the first thing that happened when I got there and the judge, the first thing that the judge did was grant me a meeting with my daughter. And the most ridiculous thing about the meeting was it was a two hour meeting with my daughter twice a month. Like, how do you expect me to fly from the US twice a month? I'm not a fucking billionaire. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, come on, man. Like, I can't do this. So can you like make it like somewhat reasonable? He's like, okay, I'll give you a four hour meeting once a month. So now at this point, I can't really argue. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll just come once a month to Pakistan. I don't give a shit. So I was flying to Pakistan once a month for a four-hour meeting. And half the time, my ex-husband didn't even show up to court with my daughter. So I would just sit there in court for four hours. And the judge wouldn't send the police over to get my daughter. You know, the whole, whole like, uh, the, what? The, the, the whole system is so messed up, you know. Right. And I was just like, okay, I'm like, can you like, is, is this like, this is really ridiculous. I just flew 24 hours for this four hour meeting. My ex-husband lives 30 minutes away from court and he can't bring my daughter to, to court for a four hour meeting. And I can fly 24 hours to come in and meet her. Like, what the hell? And then it just kept happening over and over and over until the, even the judge was like, okay, this is ridiculous. So, so then the judge like basically was like, you know, if, if he doesn't bring her, and then we're going to send uh, the cops. This was like after the sixth meeting. Wow. How many yeah. times did you go back and forth, Rafia? I was going back and forth for almost two years. Every month. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's very yeah. expensive to fly. And, and the flight, yes. I think one way is... 20 hours 16 to 20 hours or something like that yeah yeah and like and including the the stops and everything it comes up to like 24, 24 hours yeah jesus so i was literally just working my butt off here and then just flying that, that's all i was doing just you know i would leave on friday uh the meetings would be on saturday morning i would leave friday uh evening or friday afternoon get there friday night 
Saturday morning, I would have the meeting, which most of the time he wouldn't show up to. And then Saturday night, I would have a flight back to the U.S. so I can be back in time for work on Monday. And that's with all the time zone differences. You could, yeah, you could. So yeah. How was it when the first time you saw your daughter after eight years? Oh, the first time it was, it was amazing. Uh, so it was actually her birthday. That's when the judge actually forced him uh, to, oh. to, to bring her. And uh, the first How thing that was I, she? she was turning 12. Did she remember and you? She didn't like not much, you know, like my husband had like just filled her head with all these like, crazy stories and saying that, oh, your mom beat you and your mom was this horrible person and she didn't care about you. She just left you. She wanted to go to the U.S. and enjoy her life. So she divorced me and, and she didn't want you anymore. So she left you with me and she didn't care about you and all this. Like she just, he just told her all these crazy stories and she believed it for the most part. So, so when she first saw me, you know, she was just like very hesitant, you know, of course, you know, when you've been told all these crazy things about this person and you don't know this person, I was basically a stranger to her. And I, I was sitting in court and I was like, hey, how are you? You know, and somebody tried to take a picture of me and her. She's like, no pictures, you know, it's, and I'm just like, okay, all right, fine. No pictures, you know, because her dad was like, her dad did not even want me to have a picture of me and her. Like, that's how messed up he was in the head. Like, I'm not even going to have you the pleasure of having a picture with your daughter the first time you see her after eight years. Right. Yeah. So, no, just like, and then, uh, you know, I brought a birthday cake in court for her. And he was like, no, you can't have this cake. And he tried to have her return the birthday cake to me because I might have put some jadu in it. Jadu means, ma means magic. Um, yeah. Cast a spell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a a spell. Bla like black magic spell. Yeah. On the thing. I'm like, you really? Like, who do you think I got this black magic from in the US? Like, come on, man. You know, I just bought this cake down the, down the street from the bakery. So my daughter comes back to me and like, she has tears in her eyes and she like tries to give me back the cake. I'm like, I'm not taking the cake back. You know, you can throw it in the garbage. I'm not taking it back. She's like, no, dad doesn't want me to eat it because I'm like, because why? She's like, because there might be magic in it. I'm like, you really believe that? She just looked at me and smiled, and I'm like, okay, you don't have to say anymore. Yeah. I'm like, you can, just, you can just throw it out. It's okay. Uh, I won't be upset at you. And then uh, my lawyer actually like, stood up for me, and my lawyer is like, what? He's trying to give her back the cake? And she just went and just embarrassed the shit out of the guy. She's like, you know, you really think this woman you know, has been flying, <coughs> flying here all this time to give you a cake with black freaking magic in it? Like, come on, man, grow up. <laughs> so he's like okay fine and then you know she goes home and then we start talking on and off uh me and my daughter but every time it was just like it was so secretive so she couldn't really talk to me you know in front of her dad so when her dad wasn't home she would like just send me a message hey you know dad's not home can i talk to you so i talked to her and then oh, so the this, next is, time, this is when you're in the u.s you were stay connected yeah Oh, yeah. Okay. Through the through, uh, like um, through a messaging system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was just like so funny because you know he wouldn't let her talk to me and all this stuff, and you know she had to like be so secretive about talking to her own mom, like she was like committing some sort of crime or something, and uh, like the whole situation happened, and just like it was like a whole year of me meeting with her over and over, and then you know one day she said to me, she's like, you know, I I don't think that you're like that horrible of a person like dad made you out to be i'm like well you know you should use your own own mind you know 
I'm sure you don't really know me, but you know, once you get to know me, maybe you can make your own opinion as to what you think I am instead of somebody else telling you. So I put in a lot of seeds of uh, doubt in her head and uh, in, in a lot of things like I, I, I used to send her birthday gifts when I was like the whole eight years that I didn't see, get to see her. And I kept the receipts of everything that I sent her. And I like I, I wrote everything down and I asked her, hey, on this birthday of yours, did you get this specific gift I sent you? And she just looked at me like all confused. I'm like, OK, uh, I'm like, how about this birthday? I sent you this gift. Did you get that? Mm. And she's just still looking at me like all confused. And then she goes, I got all those things, but they weren't from you. Oh, wow. What are the assholes? Jesus. I know. I'm like, well, and then I showed her like all, all, all the receipts and stuff of all the things that I've sent her all over the years. She's like, well, I, I didn't think that they were from you. I thought that was from dad. Oh, what an asshole. Yeah. It's what it's one thing to just throw it away. Yeah. And be, it's another thing to actually give it credit for it. Wow. And he never yeah. thought that any of those things had jadu or magic or spells. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess not. No, no. But the but cake from down the street. But it okay. totally backfired because by you keeping the receipt, you basically completely uh, illustrated to her that how yeah. how evil they are and how. Yeah. yeah wow. I didn't even have to say anything. All I did was like, did you get this and this and this? I didn't even have to say, see, your dad is a terrible person and he right. lied to you. I didn't have to, I, I didn't even want to say all those things. Like, I didn't right. want to be a, a jerk like he was. You know, I just wanted her to use her brain. I was like, you know, well, what did you get this? Did you get that? You know, even right before the custody case started, I sent her a bouquet of flowers and cake. And my daughter's like, uh, I told her, I'm like, did you get the flowers? She's like, you sent them? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, no wonder. Like, dad never bought me flowers. I was wondering why all of a sudden he bought me flowers and he said that he got me flowers. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's, that was me. What an asshole. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. So, so that, that planted the seeds of doubt. Like, you know, when I first like, showed her, like, proof, okay, you know, the things that you got was actually from me and, you know, he lied to you. Because she was in her head was like, oh, dad is always right and he's always telling me the truth and, you know, you are the horrible person. Right, right. So, so that whole thing started the seed of doubt, and like she was like, "Oh wow, you know, if he had lied to me about the presents, I wonder what else he lied to me about." Right. So yeah. then I started telling her different stories. You know, like I, I didn't actually like go out and tell her, you know, your dad is this horrible person, which was really not my intent. Because at the end of the day, he is still her dad. You know, she has like this attachment with him. Maybe he was a shitty husband, but I don't know what kind of a dad he was. So, you know, I was like, you know, just telling her all these different things. And then she started to realize like a lot of things that she had been told were not really truthful. Like what? Uh, you know, just like me beating her, for example. Right. Uh, you know, he just kept telling her, remember that time your mom beat you? Remember that time your mom beat you? And, you know, she, she was two and a half years old. She doesn't remember anything. So uh -huh. when you keep repeating something to, to a child, they're eventually you know, going to form these memories. They're going to start thinking that this thing actually happened. Right, They're right. even going to, I can remember it like it actually happened. Right. So yeah. I asked her, I'm like, you know, he's told you I beat you, but for what? What do you think I beat you for? She's like, I don't know. Like, well, if you don't really know, like, do you really think that I did that? So just like a lot of those things just started like making her think like, you know, I, 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 right. 
the more I started talking to her, the more I, I realized that she was starting to think about these things. At first, she was even very apprehensive to even talk to me. And then towards the end, it became clear to her that she actually wanted to come and stay with me and live with me. Right. Uh, but she was still too afraid to tell the judge um, that she wanted to live with me. Yeah, so, because if it doesn't work out, now she has to go live with your yeah. uh, with her dad, and sh- knowing that she said that to the judge. Yeah. Right. So, so her dad and her dad's lawyer would, uh, you know, right before the court case, she would come up to me and she would say, "You know, dad and her his lawyer told me that if I go back to the U.S. with you, you're going to make me sweep the floors, and you're going to make me mop the floors, and this and that, and and you're going to make me your servant." I'm like what? You know, like, what is that supposed to mean? I'm like, I, I mop floors and I, I sweep. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like I'm going to make you do all of my things. You know, you're just going to be as responsible of a human being as I am. You're going to pick up after yourself. You know, it's not like I'm taking a servant. Like, why would I come here and spend all this money to come and see you? I could just, like, hire somebody over there to clean up after me. This is a lot more difficult. Like, it doesn't make sense. This, this was all your plan to get, like, spend all this money to get a servant. Yeah, they go through all that stress. Then <laughs> she told her about Craigslist. <laughs> exactly. Right. And not even that. Like every time I would go and uh, like even before I went to Pakistan, um, I actually had to learn self defense because my ex husband told me as soon as I got uh, the custody paper, she's like, you know, you, I'm gonna do this to you, I'm gonna do that. Like he would stand outside the the courtroom where the judge couldn't see him, and he would do like this to me. Like I'm gonna Wait. cut your throat. So he would make a make a uh, a cutting motion across his throat with his thumb, right? Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, who, yeah. Yeah. So That's I'm like fun. sitting in in front of the judge, and I would just look to my side, and he's sitting outside, and he's doing this. Wait. So w- what happened with the? Uh, I mean, accusing you of blasphemy. Uh, other than the legal trouble, wouldn't you be worried that people might one day attack you? If, if it had gotten out to people, definitely. And, and that's why like, I, I kept my profile really low. So, when so I wouldn't it be like, wouldn't for him be a strategic move to go spread r- rumors about your blasphemy so that it becomes a security issue for you to even show up? I, I, I guess. Yeah. But also at that point, he wasn't really sure whether my dad was involved in this whole custody case or not. Mm. Because um, apparently they were on talking terms at that point, and he told like even at one point he told me it's, it's this whole plan between you and your dad uh, to destroy me and, and and this and that you know so like at that point he wasn't really sure how many people right. were behind this custody case so he couldn't just completely go all out and then end right up so he might he, he was afraid that it could backfire on him security yeah. wise for him yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. And and I would and every time I would go to court, I would show up with the whole security detail. I would I would hire these guards, and uh, you know I would come to court with all these guards. So my ex husband, in his head, is probably thinking that this is all like my dad's people that I'm showing up to court with. Yeah. Because he probably yeah. thought that in his head, like there's no way she went to the U.S. for eight years, and now all of a sudden she's coming back, like all full force with like a whole security detail and everything. Like it's probably her dad behind this. Right. Um, and, and, and also so you know, hurting you would be a security threat for him. Exactly. I, I, I mean, that's, that's all that's I'm you. thinking that that could be, you know, the main reason why he didn't like go all out with right. the whole thing. Okay. Um, and also like after court, he would actually follow me, try to figure out where I'm living. So, uh, you know, after court, I would have to like so many times I would have to drive into a, a mall parking lot, like underground mall parking lot 
to change my driver and the car and get into a different car and a different driver so that he wasn't able to follow me. Like it was just like some crazy stuff. This is so insane. Never yeah. custody battle has never been this. Like you, I didn't know you yeah. could turn a custody battle into a movie like that. Yeah. Well, this, this is a custody battle with blasphemy thrown into it. So right, yeah. right. There's uh, now there's uh, he's he's using the blasphemy law. So all of the stuff that all of the threats that come with yeah. So how did you defend against the blasphemy laws? So so my lawyer was like, you know, we can tell the judge that he's just using this as as a tactic for you to not talk to your daughter. And mm -hmm. and the judge was like, you know, basically asked me a bunch of questions and I answered his questions and he seemed satisfied with it. Like what questions? Yeah, uh, you know, so, so things like you know, did you do this and that? Did you do this and that? Like all these girl accusations that he's making, did you do this? And I was like, uh, no, I... I like, did you do this with the Quran? Like, did you... Uh, yeah, oh. I, I don't know. I don't really want to get into the details oh, okay, okay, of like, sorry, exactly uh, what what the judge was asking, but, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And and basically, you know, my lawyer was able to get that dismissed on, on the basis of that. It was like a retaliatory... Right, um, right, right. ...on, on his part. Disguise. Basically, yeah. he's trying to... Do, he's so desperate to do try anything to get to win, so that's what he's saying. And he had yeah. no proof that you did anything. He did right. not have any proof, and, and that's yeah. what the judge specifically asked him. He's like, do you have any proof? Like, all these claims that you're making... Uh, he's like, uh, no, but, uh, you know, I, 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 she did that. So the judge was like, do you have any four male witnesses that right. can come in and say, and he didn't have any four male witnesses. Uh, yeah, right. so Wait, didn't he get the punishment? Uh, isn't the Quranic verse that says that you need four male witnesses? If you don't have four male, male witnesses, he should get punished. But you're, you're about to say that it's very... Yeah, so in, in Pakistan, the laws are very convoluted. So in, in certain things, they use Islamic laws, and but in certain things, they use the laws that were passed down from when India and Pakistan used to be one country, and there were the, the British rule and, and the British laws. So like a lot of the laws are all mixed up, and it's just like, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense. So in the Guardians and War Act, for example, it says the parent that is most uh, uh, suitable for the child should be getting the child's custody but then they throw in the Islamic laws that the father is the natural guardian and he should be but if the father is a bum and it's a homeless guy and the woman is, is educated and has a job then what right. you know, so, yeah. so it just it's just like a whole mixed bag where, where the judges can't say well we're going to use the secular law from like India and Pakistan and, and the British rule but then people will lose their shit when, when they realize that, you know, the judges are really using the, the Islamic law, law where Pakistan is an Islamic state. So they should use Islamic law. You know, so the people that, for example, if, if a guy is like, you know, I should get the custody of the child but doesn't have a job. And the judge says, no, the wife should get the, the child's custody because she has a job and she can take care. And then the guy can claim, well, you're going against Islam and, and you know, you're this and that. So now it's, it's just like... It's so the, just ju the, the judges would be afraid of the mob? Like, is that I, how... I guess so. Like, that's yeah. that's my understanding, you know. Because it's just like, it doesn't make sense. It's just like so messed up. Well, uh, with the, the power of Islam, and, and the when you get to intimidate the judges, when you get to intimidate your own government with Islam, it shows yeah. how uh, this uh, one thing I, I should point out here, and I was going to bring this up later on, but I think this is probably a good time to quickly talk about it. Is that uh, when, when it comes to um, blasphemy, a lot of times all of the lawyers are in it too. So, for instance, uh, the, the 
one of the most uh, I, I guess that the most famous incidents of, of a blasphemy uh, murder in Pakistan was Pakistan's largest province is Punjab. And the governor of Punjab, the elected governor of Punjab, his name was Salman Tasir. Um, he had gone and shown solidarity with a, uh, a woman, a Christian woman named Asia Bibi, who is now in prison charged with blasphemy. So he had gone and made an appearance with her and said that, spoken out against blasphemy laws and it basically advocated for Asia Bibi to be released from prison, right? And his bodyguard, his own bodyguard, right. was a very religious guy, shot him and killed him. This is the governor of Punjab. Now, when his bodyguard the shot him, that was, the person that was hired to protect him basically turned on him and killed. Basically him. turned on him. He shot him like many, many times, brutally, just murdered him. Right. Then, uh, what happened was that this guy, the murderer, his name is Mumtaz Kadri, you know, big mullah guy with a beard and everything. He became a hero. All of yeah. hundreds and hundreds of lawyers came and they said that we will defend him for free because he defended the honor of the prophet. Right. Because the governor was basically saying, you know, whoever insults a prophet, you know, he was against blasphemy thoughts. So when he became a hero and eventually he was hanged. And, he, and if you go online and if you look up pictures of Mumtaz Qadri's funeral, this guy was hanged, the murderer who was hanged. So he became a martyr basically in the eyes of there, there are millions of people in those crowds. Yeah. And you know, when you talk about fringes and you know, this is just yeah. a minority, there are millions of people. That's there is now a shrine about. where people go, Mumtaz Gadri Shrine, this assassin shrine where the people go and they pay homage to him. So even the legal community, even the lawyers over there, uh, they're all in this. They're all sympathetic to the blasphemy laws. Right, and and this, uh, but the the crowd, the the number of people that showed up for his funeral was so shocking that it, it even woke up some, uh, you know, upper class liberal Pakistanis to how big of a bad problem this is in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah, because they just thought it was a fringe. They're like they thought it was a fringe, and uh, to this day, there are some Pakistanis that uh, that they're still upper class um, liberals, and they're like, oh no, Pakistan is not that bad, and whenever they say that these are the images that we showed them because this was incredible the number of people that showed up to to for yeah. the funeral of the of a murderer that basically killed somebody just because he he didn't even blaspheme he protected somebody that was blaspheming i i'm going to and i'm making a note of some of the links that we're gonna uh put on in the description of this podcast and i'll actually put but up this is, but, but basically the point is this is how dangerous it is that like you need to there was a there was a woman that they tortured for um uh for i don't know how many days and then killed uh, oh, there was a couple. There was a couple that they kidnapped, tortured for a whole week, and then killed. And there, there's not even people are not even sure that they blasphemed. There was just an accusation that they blasphemed. So, and uh, you know, so in Pakistan, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm if I get accused of blaspheming in Pakistan, I probably it's probably safer for me to get arrested because. The mob is more dangerous than the government, isn't it? Like, wouldn't you want to stay in prison at that point? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And 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 then at that point, also, I feel like I'm not sure, like, if if all the lawyers are are on the side of the 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 people, you know, that are on 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 the side that are against people that do blasphemy. I think I think also half the time these lawyers are also afraid because like right. there has been there has been you know 
instances where the lawyers have been shot up in their offices because they've been protecting people or they've been representing people that are being accused of blasphemy. So I'm sure they don't want to, you know, have Was your lawyer afraid of taking your case because you were being... Uh, she, she did ask me. She, you know, she's like, you know, she's like, so give me all the details and stuff. So like, I, I had to be very careful about, you know, the stuff that I was able to tell her because... You know, at the end of it, I, I knew this was a Pakistani republic. I knew that these lawyers are, are you know, pretty much Muslim. And, you know, she was asking me, so, I, I, cause so from my mom's side of the family, I'm Sunni Muslim. And from my dad's side, I'm Shia. So even my lawyer was trying to convert me to Sunni Muslim. She's like, you know, well, Shia is not that great, you know, so you should convert to Sunni Muslim. And if you're Sunni, you know, you know there would have been, things would have been way better for you. I'm like, your law lawyer yeah. is trying to convert you yeah. to Sunni Islam. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, so what, what kind of Islam do you believe in? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, God, no, seriously. <laughs> stop. It's just stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just had to like be like, you know, I just, I just believe in being a good person. I think that's what's important. But, that's blasphemy oh. right there. The just part is a blasphemy. I just yeah. believe being it and being a good yeah. That means you're yeah. not believing in Islam. Yeah. Being okay. a good person is blasphemy and having a brain is being possessed by a yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the conclusion of this podcast. Right. Yeah. But okay, so what happened? How, how did you how did you go? Is it a happy ending? I'm, I'm, I am i don't even know the ending right now. Oh, that's, yeah. that's what we're going to get to now. Okay. Yeah, so, so, so then, uh, you know, I basically was flying back to back and forth to Pakistan. So at this point, my husband, my ex-husband, he's, he's not a very well-off guy, right? You know, he has, you know, but and when he realizes that this crazy lunatic woman is basically flying back to, back and forth from the U.S. every month to come and see this girl, like half the time she doesn't even get to see her, but she's still coming. She's still going strong. And one day outside of court, he goes, like, I'm going to throw acid in your face. And I go to him, I'm like, well, I won't stop coming back here until I get my daughter. So we can either do it the easy way or we can continue to keep coming back to court. Because for me, it's not a big deal. I'm going to keep coming back to court. I have nothing else better to do. So I can keep coming back here and you can keep coming back here too. And we're going to have a great time in court. And he just looks at me. He's like, you're fucking crazy. I'm like, yep. Like, mm. let's do it. Like, I'm going to keep coming back and you're going to keep coming back here and we can have a good time or you can decide to be a decent human being and, you know, do the right thing because I'm not going to keep her daughter away from you. I want her to have both her parents, uh, but it is up to you. But if you're going to be a, a jerk about it, then bring it on. So he's like, you know, he just looks at me. And then at that moment, like I, I saw the fear in his eyes, you know, and he just looked at me. He's like, you're, you know, you're, you're just like, you're not the same woman I used to beat the crap out of. Mm. So wow. I had that conversation with him. And then the next month, like he went up to my lawyer. He didn't even come up to me. He went up to my lawyer and he's like, you know, I, I want to have an out of court settlement. But these are my rules and, and, I, and I want this and I want her to do that and I want her to tell me where she lives. And uh, my lawyer came up to me and she's like, oh, he's standing over there and he's telling me all these like his, uh, his demands and stuff. <clears throat> so I, I walk up to my, uh, my ex-husband. I'm like, uh, you're not going to be the one that's making the demands. I'm like, this is how we're going to do it. And you want to do it this way? Fine. If you don't want to do it this way, then we're going to keep continuing to do the things that we've been doing for the past two years. So I basically broke the guy down. 
to, to the point where he realized that, you know, I wasn't going to give up. I'm going to keep coming back to Pakistan because he was hot as hell in the court. And he had to sit there in court for four hours because he was too scared that I was going to take my daughter and run off. So he's sitting in the court and there's no air conditioning in the court. So he's sitting in the heat waiting for, you know, my daughter to get out of court, you know, after four hours. And at, the, at this point, does he still think that maybe your dad is behind this and maybe that's... Yeah, like he wasn't still sure. He wasn't still sure. Yeah. And and at that point, I also, like, I didn't really cover the, the story of my mom's side of the family, but turns out my mom's side of the family are in the military and my uncle is like, uh, you know, like high up in, in the military and stuff. And then he found out about that, that I, I met... Your real, your real moms? Yeah, okay, like, right... Wow. During the whole custody battle, I actually found my mom's side of the family too because I had been searching for them for 15 years. How did they manage to do that to your mother if they were if they had military family? So my mom's side of the family was Sunni, and my my dad was Shia. And when my oh. mom decided to marry my dad, it was just a big no no. Mm-hmm. Oh, so even for your mom's side of the family, that was yeah, she yeah. was basically a big yeah. no no. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, when that happened and they, you know, because my mom was still in touch with her brothers and sisters, but, you know, her parents were still pretty old school and, and they didn't want to have anything to do with it after she had decided what she wanted to do. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, basically they didn't really keep in touch. And then somehow I found them. You know, I just went on this hunt for 15 years and found my uncle in Texas uh, and, you know, just like got in touch with them, met all the family and stuff. And even my uncle and you know, my my ex-husband was actually my daughter texted me this while I was still in the custody case situation that my dad is trying to find you out through your cell phone signal. So the first thing I did was I called my uncle in Pakistan. I'm like, is this possible for somebody to track me down through my cell phone signal? And my uncle goes, you need to book your ticket right now and leave for, uh, leave for the U.S. right now because it is possible. And he can find out where you are right now. So I, he's like, put your phone on airplane mode. So I had to put my phone on airplane mode, fly back to the U.S. right away. And I had That's no how they found Bin Laden, actually. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So my uncle was like, yeah, you need to leave right now. So I had to leave and then come back the next month and, and do it all over again. Wait, what, what do you think your husband was trying to find you to like, ki- like murder? You I don't know what, what he was trying to do. Right. Okay. I don't, I don't know what he was trying to, but I was ready. You know, I, before even I went to Pakistan, I, I was trained, I was trained in like hand to hand combat and all that stuff, you know? So I was like, I, I'm ready for this. Yeah. You, you actually learned martial art, like uh, Israeli. Yeah, I learned Krav Maga before uh, going, going to the sky. I'm, I'm not even kidding. You know, I, I really learned like hand-to-hand combat. Like, I was, I'm telling you, it was a Jewish prayer. It was a Jewish yeah. prayer that worked. <laughs> I'm telling you. So, so I was in, a, I was in right? class one day with one of my instructors. So like this is the, the custody case going on. And one of my, my, one of my favorite instructors, Josh Greenwood, um, I, you know, I, I, I asked him like, hey, so if somebody tries to throw acid in my face, how would I defend myself? against it and he's like you know he pulls me to the corner he's like is there something you need to tell me (laughs) (laughs) yeah "Uh, yeah, actually i do so i told him the whole story so he actually trained me like you know he's like if if the the acid is coming from this direction this is what you need to do and this is what you need to attack and this is where you need to go so he would make me stand against the wall and he would start punching, you know, because I was like scared. I still had PTSD. You should have practice with water. No, we, we, we practiced hardcore. Like he had like four guys attacking me at the same time. 
Like no, I had okay. to defend myself. But did he like? Did he fill a glass of water and try to throw it at you? No, he just had me against the wall. He would just right. like throw punches that were like a, a centimeter away from my eye, and I was oh. not allowed to blink or like close my eyes because oh, wow. he trained me to keep my eyes open all the time and be totally aware of my surroundings and stuff. So you could have actually beat the shit out of him if you. Oh yeah, know. like he trained me to beat the shit out of four guys at the same time. <laughs> like I was ready, I was ready to go. I was actually like waiting for something like that to happen. <laughs> yeah, like, I was a gun. Right. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm good to go. Well, you were like, yeah. please try something. Please yeah. try something. As long as it's not a gun or a sniper rifle, well, I'm good. Right. <laughs> I know. Uh, you you went from somebody who was. Uh, for six years, uh, this guy was, was beating you. Was beating yeah. you, um, and and your dad, and, and everything, and then you know yeah. now you're at the point where you're trained to beat um, four guys at once, and still this guy was he, he threatened yeah. to throw acid in your face. He yeah. did the whole you know I'm going to cut your throat. He did all of that. So um, yeah. so what happened? This is good. This I mean, what happened? So, get so then, you know, this I, really is like a movie. It's it's a movie. right. This 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 cannot not be a movie. Like this <laughs> has to turn into a movie. All right. So you know, like I'm just telling my daughter like all about women's rights, and I'm like, you know, when you come to the U.S., I'm gonna teach you Krav Maga, and I'm gonna teach you how to kick ass, and this. And she's just like looking at me. She's like, I can't do that. I'm like, hell yeah, you can do that. You know? <laughs> so I'm like popping her up, and like you know, she probably goes home, and her dad is like telling her to cover her head and pray and she's like shit my mom's telling me i can go and you know mess shit up <laughs> <laughs> this guy's telling me i need to cover my head and stay in the room and whatnot mm. so eventually she's like you know i want to come stay with you but i'm too scared to say it in front of dad i'm like well what if you say it in front of the judge she's like well you know what if the judge says no i'm like all right let me let me figure this out so i, I talked to the lawyer talked to the judge and i'm like you know she wants to come and stay with me but she's too scared to say that in front of her dad and, and luckily, the judge was a pretty reasonable guy. He was not a mullah type guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he saw what I was going through. He saw the fact that I was putting in the effort coming from the U.S., you know, every month, sitting there for four hours, sometimes not even seeing her. So he saw what was going on, like what this guy was trying to do. And he's like, you know, I understand, you know, just uh, we're going to have a meeting outside of like uh, the courtroom. And we're going to have a meeting in the chambers. And we had that meeting and, you know, my husband came over and, the judge was like, you know, why don't we do a situation where, you know, she can go and, you know, meet her and, you know, you can come and meet her. Uh, so I basically wrote down this whole agreement that I'm going to have the sole custody and uh, that I will not stop her from talking to her dad or meeting her dad and whatnot. And I was like, you know, if you sign this, then it's all kosher. You know, I'm not going to be the same person that you were and stop her from seeing you because I'm not like you. And that's exactly what I did. You know, even my daughter first came to the U.S., you know, the the first year she was like, you know, I I really miss home and I, you know, want to go. Wait, wait, you jumped jumped to her coming to uh, the U.S.? uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, So so basically she went to the judge and she said, you know, I want to go to my mom. I want to live with my mom. And my my ex-husband was just at that point like, really pissed off and you know and then the judge was like you know you guys need to figure this out and you guys need to sign a contract and uh, once everything is signed off so we basically agreed for an out-of-court settlement at that point my ex-husband was just so worn out co- keep coming to court over and over that he was like okay fine but as long as you agree that you're going to let me see her and uh, you're not going to stop her from talking to me and this and that i'm like no i, I have no problem in her talking to you or your mom or the whole family i'm not going to stop her from any of that 
And that's what I did, you know, and, uh, and then he signed off the papers. I, you know, went to the consulate, got, uh, actually got her citizenship and everything and got her passport and everything ready. And that's it, you know, uh, we got the custody and uh, I, I got the tickets and everything. And she ended up coming to the U.S. and now I have sole custody. Yay. Yeah. Can you hear me clapping? Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, wow. Hello. Yeah. That's, were you, were you, but like, how did you feel after all that, after all you went through? Eight years. Exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> it was I, I'm tiring. surprised that when you say that, you know, he was, uh, he had to come all the way for every month to the courthouse. You said he lived half an hour away and yeah. then the four hours of heat in the courthouse and no air conditioning. And you were going <laughs> like every month yeah, from here. Yeah. I went from running water to low running water. I was taking showers out of buckets. I, and I hadn't done that in like probably never, you know, like at my dad's house in Pakistan, I had plumbing, but when I, where I was living to go through this whole ordeal, I was staying at a friend's house and like, I had to take showers out of a bucket because the water wouldn't run all the time. You know, when I would come back to the U S like after those three days, I'm like, yes, air conditioning, you know, the things that I took for granted for so long, when I went back to Pakistan, I realized like a lot of those things are still the same over there or we probably even worse. So, so she's happy now. She's with she you. is. She, she, she loves it here. You know, she's she's going to school, and you know, she's she, she wants to be a doctor and all that. And, uh-huh. and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's, a, she's really. I mean, I, I, I you met her. I, yeah. I met her and I talked yeah. to her, and she's like actually. I don't know. Yeah. She she's just really really smart. She's really intelligent. I yeah. you you wouldn't. Um, she's not your average fourteen year old. She's definitely very not. proud of you. Yeah. So much. She might be a role model, but um, yeah, but this is like I can't like when you were saying your story, there were so many things that like you had a U.S. citizenship, uh, you managed to come to go to the U.S. and raise enough money to be able to do things. There are so many things like I can't imagine for your story how many girls are and how many women are in Pakistan right now. Yeah, I, I do. I do realize that that I'm in a very, very privileged situation. The fact that I was born in the U.S. and I was able to come here. There are many, many women that are stuck there in situations and they cannot get out of it, and they don't have any other options available to them. And it is a lot harder for them. So I, I'm totally aware of the fact that I'm, I'm I'm one of those people that have been extremely fortunate in in this kind of situation. Not only that I got the custody, but the fact that the resources that I had available to me. A lot of those women over there, they don't have that. Available and, and it just sucks. Uh-huh. Yeah, Did I mean, you have, yeah. I, go mean, ahead, I can't. I can't. But like, basically, we have like you were being beaten, and I can't. I can't just imagine how many other girls right now are being beaten there over there by their fathers, and how many women there are being beaten by their husbands, husbands. and and oh, and their mothers-in-law, all the all the other women that uh, enable it too. It's not just a yeah. man. If it was a right, yeah, it's, men, it's then. just like the whole culture of of you know. Just I feel like everybody's just brainwashed into. I just don't understand it. Like even I would think like as a as a mother-in-law, you you probably went through the same crap. Why would you put another girl through the same shit that you went through? Because they think this is how things are. This is how things are meant to be. I think it that's just what they sucks. Think. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's uh, uh, so. Rafia, do you have any? Uh, do you have any ad- advice? I guess for those 
other women um, who are stuck in these situations in yeah, the sense that did you come across any any resources or any sort of uh, uh, women's uh, legal firms or you know who, that support women in these situations in Pakistan that and you I, could actually Ali this is a very good question and when you answer that keep in mind that we do get a lot of downloads from Pakistan right from Pakistan mm-hmm. yeah so we might so we might be getting like there might be a, many women and girls in Pakistan that are listening to this podcast right and 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 Rafi, if you don't if if right now at the top of your head if you can't think of it then you know feel free to let us know later on we can put it in the description put it in the link oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, any yeah, advice yeah. is also good, yeah. The, the only advice that, that, you know, helped me get through it, because, you know, through this whole situation, I went through a lot of emotional highs and lows. You know, when the first second that I landed in Pakistan, the whole PTSD and all of that depression and everything hit me, like, full force. And I was like, I can't believe I'm back in this, like, the only word that I have for it is, like, this shitty situation. And, and like most of these people here, they're, they're not here to, to, to stay, you know, stay behind my back, you know, or have my back. Like all these people, like they really don't understand the pain that I'm going through. And it was like a shitty situation. But I think like at the end of it, like you really have to just put one foot in front of the other. Like when I was, when I went and filed for this custody case, I had no idea. I did not even expect that I was going to get my daughter's custody back because I read all the laws and everything, and and the laws clearly were like against me at that point. And I and I knew that, and I still went in there because I was like, I have nothing else to lose, and I'm going to put in my full effort into it. And and I went through these emotional highs and lows where I was like, okay, I'm not going to get it, you know. Like I would go to Pakistan, fly for 24 hours there, 24 hours back, not get to see her, you know. Just like it sucked, but. I think you need to have grit in, in situations like this and, 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 you know, find the resources, find the people that are there that will help you. It, it, you know, for me, the, the most important, as, as shitty as this sounds, the most important thing that helped me the most in this situation was the fact that I was financially stable enough to go back to Pakistan and have this, you know, this legal battle and have it go as long as I, as it did and have the resources to get the guards to go to court and stuff. And a lot of people don't have that. But if you are in a situation where you need to get out and you have enough time figure out a way to either save up money or figure out a way where you can get in touch with people that can help you with that kind of situation or find people that will help you without charging you a fee or something. Uh, you know, like every situation is unique, but in, in my situation, I feel like the, the most important thing that I did was just, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Even, even though you don't see light at the end of the tunnel, just keep going, you know, cause at that point, you, you want to put in as much effort as you can. And that's the most important thing, not, not the outcome. Mm-hmm. As long as you know that you put in your full effort and you did every possible thing that you could. Mm. And, you know, outcome is outcome. You know, you can't really ex- control the outcome. You can only control the amount of effort you're going to put into it. It, right. it, it, it's a, it's it's a it's a bit also poetic that you uh, when you gave up on Islam you tried a whole bunch of other supernatural methods <laughs> yeah. and then and you got results once you uh, stopped uh, trying to appealing to yeah. a higher power and you use your own. Yeah. Uh, mot- your own your own power your own motivation your uh, own- on that note though when i when i did get my daughter's custody so i had i had friends in pakistan 
who actually stopped talking to me after my first talk in Hunter came out and they found out that I was not a Muslim anymore. But I still love them. You know, they help me out a lot. Just because I don't agree with their ideology, they don't want to talk to me. That's fine. I, I don't have anything against me. But they told me, oh, since you got your daughter's custody, you should do a, a namaz shukrani. Uh, because you know you you got most means prayer thank thank you prayers to God yeah right so so I I said to my friend you know uh, I got this because of my hard work all, all those years that I prayed to God for my husband not to beat me he continued to beat me all those years that I prayed to God for my husband to give me back my daughter he didn't <laughs> give me back to me. you know the only time that I actually got it back was because I put in the hard work and I should pray to myself. <laughs> 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 You know, Wait, yeah. say that again. Say that last part again. <laughs> it's, like, it's like some Arabic thing. I don't even know what the hell it means, but it's like you know, oh. it's like a really terrible thing that you're saying. I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, hey, um, yeah, well, like fuck your god. I I did this all myself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the two things. Uh, one other. Um. Uh. We have a, a comment from one of our patrons. He's talking about a movie called. Not without my daughter, which yeah, is yeah, Betty Mahmoudi, which yeah. is actually my middle name, Mahmoudi. Oh, oh is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. But I think your story is more bad. I've seen that movie. Your story is more badass. I uh, guess you know. I, I, she she didn't really no. train in Krav Maga before going. So right, exactly. <laughs> The the movie is about that. That movie is about a uh, an American citizen who had to escape an abusive husband in Iran. It was in the eighties, right? It was. I think it came out in 1991, but uh, I, I, I think that the story uh, was in the 80s. I think. Yeah. Oh, the story. Yeah, the story was probably yeah. in the 80s. So that, and I, I also want to mention uh, one more thing is. Uh, so I, I told Jean, you. Also, Regine D. She's saying. She's saying, Rafia, you you are immortal. Immortal. Yes. Yeah, you are. There you go. <laughs> Lots of yeah, you know, people watching this uh, right now live are actually you know just getting. I guess they're all having the same kind of reaction that Armin and I have right now. Like, just incredibly inspired and just a, a very, very proud of you for what you pulled off. Um, another thing uh, that I wanted to mention here is that so we have I, we talked to you about Simi Rahman, right? The uh, yes. our friend, our common friend. So yeah. her her sister actually uh, is in a similar situation right now, where her husband is in, I think, India. Mm -hmm. Right with with their son, so uh, she actually helped start a something called, and this is for women uh, who are in the United States who are in similar situations as you, um, and it's called uh, the I Stand Parent Network. So the website is uh, I Stand Parent Network dot dot com. I Stand Parent Network dot com. We'll put the link in the description too. And uh, what they do is they they this is basically an advocacy advocacy group, and they they lobby the government, and they've done it several times, a few times successfully, in order to get um, the children of uh, women in the U.S. who have whose whose ex spouse has essentially abducted their child and then taken. Well, on, on that note, country. I also wanted to um, mention. Uh, this uh, this book that I read that helped me a lot in, in this kind of situation because not this was not only this is also a parental alienation kind of situation where my mm -hmm. daughter was like so against me so I had to really understand the psychology of, of, of kids that are going through that kind of situation so I read a lot on uh, this uh, this guy wrote this book his his name is Doctor Richard Warshak. And uh, he has uh, written a lot about parental alienation and what you can do to combat that. And I use a lot of, of you know, his teaching and, and, and what he taught about 
how to deal with this kind of situation to be able to actually get through to my daughter because at first she didn't even want to talk to me she was just like so like oh you are evil and she was just completely dismissive she didn't even want to look at well, me and you stuff really like that. went and educated yourself on the law on child child psychology self-defense yeah i was like i'm not i'm not you know i'm not gonna be uh, you know not prepared this time this time i'm going in full force uh you know just, are you gonna you're gonna turn this into a book uh that's the plan yeah, yeah. okay good yeah so that's what we're gonna do. Uh, yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna look forward to that. I mean, this is like okay. It's been it's been two hours, and it's pretty much oh, just wow. yeah. right by. And um, I, I'm so glad because I I think you know we heard your your speech. We I I heard you talk, and um, I I just wanted it to go out everywhere and and just hear more of the story because I know when you go to these conferences you have a limited yeah. amount of time and you're I'm talking a very about very nervous uh, public speaker I, I get very nervous well you yeah. can you can beat four men at the same time so <laughs> yeah but you know talking I'm just like completely <laughs> public different speaking, it doesn't do yeah. I can't beat one man at the same time so I, don't, I don't even know I, I think my wife can beat me up so. <laughs> uh, but um yeah, uh, Rafia, this is amazing. I, I just everything you've went. I, I, I'm just amazed by the, I guess the sense of humor you have about it. In retrospect, I, I guess in a way, all's well that ends well. But um, yeah. um, you, you clearly haven't forgotten what you went through. You don't take yeah. anything for granted. Um, and and this is one thing I notice. I think about you know people. You have people who have a sort of victimhood mentality. A lot of times, and I, I notice people over here, and, I, and not to say that those experiences aren't real, but um, usually when I see people who've actually been through these things mm. and who have come out of it uh, positively, I, and I, you know, I remember growing up in Saudi Arabia, you know, being knowing that I couldn't say certain things, and now I don't take freedom yeah. of speech granted even for a single day here. You know, I remind myself. I mean, for me, I, I always think about it this way: like shit happens. What are you gonna do about it? You know, mm -hmm. are you gonna blame the shit that happened to you like ten years, five years, you know, whatever years ago, and and continue living the like let that shit control the rest of your life, or are you gonna use that to propel you forward and and to make you a stronger person? Right, no. and either you way, you're not that. you're not negating that experience. You're recognizing yeah. that experience. It's it's not yeah. like you're you're just getting over it, and and you know that there are effects of that experience that still affect you and still affect yeah. others who are less fortunate. But yeah, but you you have to make something constructive out of it, and I, I exactly. think that that's incredibly inspiring. And I'm, I'm so glad I met you, and I'm so glad that we had you on here, and I'm so glad we heard your story. See, I Thank think it's, it's, it's. I think your story is not just a story. It's also kind of like a really effective self help help book, basically mm -hmm. telling people to take control over their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know, it's such a it's such a great way to say it uh, in, in with a real story, right? Yeah, um, and not not relying on uh, you know other powers or somebody to come save yeah, you. Yeah, because I know how it is to not be in control. Right. You know, I saw the effects of that, and 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 have some this boogeyman in in the sky to be in control of of your affairs. And yeah. how I saw how that worked out, and I saw how it worked out when I was in control of my affairs. <laughs> so uh -huh. you know, yeah, and and you're also very fair to acknowledge that you know the. the there's some of the resources that you had that a lot of other women probably they're, yeah. they're probably trapped and they no, may I, have I do readily. I do realize I'm, I'm in a very very privileged uh, situation yeah. a lot of people are not 
Mm-hmm. I, and that's why I was like, the only advice I can give, we just keep putting one, one foot in front of the other and, and stop, ex, you know, thinking that this is going to be the outcome. Just put the full effort and then outcome is going to be whatever. You can't control the outcome. You can yeah. only control it. And, and maybe, maybe even, uh, you know, look for things around you that like, you know, just for instance, yeah, I mean, when you say you're privileged, so let's not, I know you're saying that, but to be fair, I mean, you, there were a lot of shitty things that, that you had. You had I say this to people, but I was also homeless at a point. I lived out of my car when I came right. to the U.S. Right. So your struggle, I mean, you had a lot of stuff. So you weren't exactly super privileged, but you had yeah. you had a couple of things. I mean, everybody is privileged compared to somebody else. Right. Yeah. So so I think what, what you did, uh, the lesson here that, that at least I'm getting, and this is not just a lesson about, I guess, the women and children and so on, but, but even for me, just as a human being, the lesson I'm getting is that um, look around yourself, even if 99% of your life is shitty, try to look for the one or two things you may have that are plus points. Like maybe you're really good at school and you, you have an education, that's your way out. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, you know you have a, a friend who's well-connected or, or whatever it is. In your case, you know you, you happen to be born in New York, so you had that little thing that mm-hmm. helped you right. get out the, of it. So the thing I, is that try, try to find something or create something um, that even if things are crap, you know, and maybe that's a small spark. Maybe that's a beginning yeah, and it right. could take eight years like it took you, but you know, yeah. eventually the persistence could pay off. Right. So, exactly. so, so life gave you life did deal you a really shitty hand, but just, just yeah. one part of it wasn't as shitty. And you basically took advantage of that and changed yeah. the whole thing. Around. Yeah. You changed yeah. the whole thing. But the thing is that at the end of the day, you're responsible for most of the change. Like you're, you were in a shitty situation and you decided that you're not going to accept that and you're going to turn yeah, that you, around. You and me, definitely, you need to put in the work. You can't just, yeah. you know, expect shit to be handed to you. Right. Right. Exactly. And by the way, Jean, Jean D is mentioning only she can make us laugh and cry in mere minutes. Yeah. You're- <laughs> 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 Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, think that, right. that pretty much sums it up. That sums it up. Is there is there any anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to say? No. Oh, where can people find you? Yeah. Where can people find me? I mean, uh, I'm I'm hidden as of right now. I, I no, don't no, think not, that I want to be public. That <laughs> location wise, like if they want to follow your social, do you have like social media? Social media like, email yeah. you if they want websites. Um, uh, let me let me think about that, and then maybe okay, you guys okay. can put it on the link. But I, I'm not really sure if I want to put that up right away. That's make, perfectly maybe, fine. Maybe, maybe yeah. make like a new email account specifically for yeah. That. Yeah, maybe maybe I could I could do that. You know, yeah. have people send me questions, concerns, comments, and whatnot. Right. You know, yeah. hate letters, love letters, all and, that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and you could you could uh, uh, you could write back and say, "Don't doubt." You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or no Just doubt. Don't doubt Just yeah. doubt. <laughs> yeah. Never doubt, man. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Right, so no, yeah, th- th- thank you. Right. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's truly, really, truly an honor. It was. Oh, it was no. great speaking with Our you guys. Definitely. Yeah, um, and and keep on doing the work that you're doing. I think that the fact that you know you're out and uh, you're talking about how you lost faith in the religion and everything as well, yeah. right? In relation to this, everything kind of fits together. It's it's yeah, really, it's, it's, it's amazing it's that you're not holding back on that after after all the shit that you have to go through because you yeah. you, you were open about it. You're now like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm probably gonna see you um, soon. I'm not gonna give away the location, but the next conference. Yes. I'm probably going to end up meeting up, so I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to that and seeing yeah. your daughter too. So. James yeah. James in the live chat is saying thank you for sharing your story. Mike, thank, thank you, James. You yeah. All right.
Okay, so All thank right. you guys in the live chat. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, James. Thank you, Mike. Um, thank you. Where is it? Uh, Blonde Infidel. I really like that username. <laughs> yeah, and, and and everybody who wants to i mean if you want to watch the if you're listening to the uh, uh if you like what you hear here if you like if you like the story if you like these stories uh, that are coming out that we're bringing to you then uh please do go to secularjihadist.com uh sign up as a patron and support us or you know if you can't yeah. support us financially then you know share this link um put out the story tell your friends about it um yeah. These are really, really important stories, and and we want to get them out there because right. it's a narrative you don't hear very often. And and also, if you're listening to the audio version of this and you're a patron, look in the description. There's a link to the video version of this that only uh, patrons have access to the video version. If you mm -hmm. want to see us, uh, well, yeah, not just listen to us. Anyways, uh, thank you guys. I'm gonna you guys stay on. Just uh, I'm just gonna stop the broadcast. B bye, everybody. Bye bye everybody, thank you for joining us. Bye. Yeah, thank you thank guys. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Yeah. The secular jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends, write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions, or head over to secularjihadist.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you.